Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I want to put on a show each and every day for for everyone that's watching. You know, if they might only be able to come to one game, you know, I want that one game. I want them to see something special out of Mason Wilson. Let's get nasty here on a Friday afternoon. Jamie Rivers driving the bus today. We got Andrew Marsh on the dials. We've got the Kerry Davis Super Bowl <laughs> champion in today for Anthony Stalter, who's uh, a little family vacay, and we got our guy BT joining us. Boys, how we doing today? Doing wonderful. Doing great, yeah. fellas. This, first of all, Kerry, great to, to be on the show with you. Bye. And uh, it is win day, boys. Like, life is good. <laughs> Everybody's winning Yes, today. indeed. I'm happy to be here. Uh, this is an intriguing setup you got going on here. It's a kind of club vibe. I, I, I can dig it. Yeah, I'm enjoying got, it. Got the strobe lights on. We got the lights off. Soft music for Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> just have a drink, Carrie. You'll be fine. <laughs> just relax, huh? Yeah, just relax. Unwind. <laughs> BT, we got Mason Wynn coming up here. I think, look, a lot of people have been watching him so far this season in particular and kind of foaming at the mouth, wanting this young man to get up here and get an opportunity. It's time for him to get up here and be part of the Cardinals organization. What are we expecting? What can we expect to see from this guy? Well, first of all, when you talk about uh, people foaming at the mouth and waiting for Mason Wynn to be a part of the ball club, you can go ahead and put the manager on that list. I'm pretty sure he's been beating that drum ever since spring training, right? So, look, when you're looking at the overall numbers that Mason Wynn put up at AAA, damn, are they impressive. Because the the big question mark was going to be, yeah, this young man is an incredible athlete. He's got a, a just an absolute nuts arm on a grading scale, a scouting scale of 20 to 80. He's an 80 arm, which is unheard of. They just don't give those out. You just don't have arms like he's got. But, boy, it, it is electric. But the question was going to be, is he going to hit in the upper levels of the minor leagues and then at the big league level? Well, so far, yes. Yes, he has been able to hit. He's hitting for average, 288. He popped his 18th home run of the season last night, 15 doubles, 17 steals. His speed is a plus for him as well. And uh, look, he's going to have a downtick, you would think, offensively when there is a book on Mason Wynn. But he's such a freaking athlete. When you watch him and you, you just watched in spring training, we got a chance to see him. And he makes adjustments quickly. He's very, very coachable. And he's got so much just energy. And, and he's got so much confidence. The confidence is a big thing. And I like you guys know this. You guys both played your respective sports. So we all did it at the highest level. If you don't have confidence, if you don't believe in you, who the hell is going to, right? <laughs> he has got it. Like He's got that edge. So uh, wh- when it comes to expectations, look, I-, I expect him to be in the lineup pretty much every single day. I expect him to be hitting around the end of the lineup pretty much every single day, not because his back can't do more, but because that's a great way to ease him in. And by the way, you have to watch his at-bats to keep his rookie status. And I expect him to be a rangy athlete up the middle because with all due respect to everybody else that's played that position this year, and Tommy Edmond has played it at a very high level. We're seeing him make sliding grabs left and right. 
He's got an arm that nobody has. So some of these plays that Tommy's not going to be able to make, uh, Mason Wynn can make up with it with his arm. And he's got the speed and the agility to get to a baseball that other guys are diving for or dive for one that another guy just misses it with his glove. In an era where we don't have the shift anymore, boys, you better have some great athletes, and Mason Wynn is a great athlete. Yeah, we are. I mean, I think we've been waiting on this call-up for, you know, since we've heard about his ability, his his electric uh, potential to play the game at a high level you talked about. He's second in, in AAA, tied for second in hits in all of AAA. He's tied for second in hits, and he's leading all of the minor leagues with 99 runs. This is a guy that obviously can do it at the bat, but his fielding, BT, is what I think everyone is looking for, that electric type of player with that personality Um I'm excited to see him play baseball because I think that's what this Cardinal team needs. It needs personality. It needs a guy that, that you know, I think Jordan Walker has that to a degree, but he's not, from what we've heard, as electric as what Mason Wynn will be or or we think he should be. So I, I'm excited to see him, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward. I wish he could bat at the top of the lineup. I know uh, because of the, the potential for rookie of the year or being a rookie next year, you don't want him to get that number of bats, but... I'm just excited to see this young man. This is probably the most excitement. I don't know if we've had much excitement yeah. <laughs> for the Cardinals this year. This is probably the most exciting time we've had all season. But also, too, BT, like this is an exciting moment uh, for the organization overall. Even in the last you know handful of years, I'll even go back maybe even 10 years, there have been a couple of guys that people have really wanted to see. And in the last handful of years, you know, Jordan Walker has been the mm. big name. Dylan Carlson was a pretty big yep. name a couple of years ago, but now Mason Wynn. I feel like Cardinal Nation is pretty damn excited to see this yes. kid. Yeah, they should be, man. And again, this is not where the Cardinals were hoping to be. Not the calling up Mason Wynn, because I think that they were really hoping to do that. They weren't hoping to be 11 games back in a division that is not that good. Like, that was never the plan. But there still can be some excitement and still can be a glance at the future. And that's exactly what this is going to be, because Mason Wynn will be your shortstop next year. That is the plan. Unless everything falls apart somehow, he is going to be the guy come opening day number zero. I don't know if he's going to do any backflips and he's got to work with Ozzie Smith and I know he's a huge Ozzie fan but like this is going to be your guy and Jordan Walker is going to be out there and you have this this great energy this great youthful energy you've still got your veteran leadership in Arenado and Goldie specifically on the corners you brought Contreras in you're starting to see it kind of come together now there is a lot of heavy lifting still doing this offseason but that's what I'm most excited about, watching Mason win, see what he does with it. And I, I, I don't, I'm not just excited to watch him succeed, and I believe that he will. I'm excited to watch him struggle, too, because that's part of it. How do you how do you bounce back from it? How do you learn? How quickly do you make adjustments? I brought this up last week, Jamie, when we were talking about um, the potential of Mason Wynn coming up. I talked about how beneficial last year was for Nolan Gorman. You looked at him, and he was getting abused by fastballs up, and if he had anything that looked like a changeup, well, he was going to swing through that. And he made wholesale changes to his swing and his approach and his eye, and we've seen it. We've seen it come to fruition this year, and you're looking at some of the numbers that he put up, unfortunately, headed to the IL with the back issue here uh, yesterday. But that's what I want to see for Mason Wynn. He's going to get a great look in the last six weeks of how big league pitchers want to attack him 
what does he need to do to attack them back and what adjustments can he make like it's so valuable you guys know this when you first got called up jamie to the nhl carrie when you first got to the nfl you think you know it all then you get there and be like well there's some things there's some things here that maybe i haven't seen before he's gonna get a chance to see him yeah we were talking about that in the in the uh, break room just saying confidence as a professional athlete you got the talent we all had the talent to get there but the confidence is something that really takes you over the top and you know i'm looking at mason win and hearing all of the stories about him i don't think he lacks confidence at all uh bt with he this took number zero he, Kerry. <laughs> I, you he know what Listen, confidence, he buddy. took that number because he knows that's a number that can go up on that wall i think that's why he took it Ooh, baby. i think he knows that he can get that number up on that wall if he plays at the level that we expect him to play i hope so I, I hope so as well. BT, when you look at this infield now, not we don't know who's going to be your everyday second baseman. We have a gold glove second baseman who plays center field sometimes. He's uh, pretty, <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty good there. Uh, but if you have Mason Wynn, you, uh, Nolan Arenado, Mason Wynn, maybe Tommy Edmond at second base, Paul Goldschmidt at first base, you have a stellar infield. And now your pitching looks a little bit better, doesn't it? Oh, for sure it does. It, again, going back to the idea of bringing in that rangy infielder, like you, you need that. And that pitching staff, that makes you pretty happy when you look behind you and you say, yep, that's going to get turned, and that guy can pick it. So, yes, I, I think it boosts everybody's confidence, and it will be interesting to see when everyone is healthy, and we're going to have a whole offseason of moves, and who knows if everybody is still there. But let's just assume right now, coming into next year, that on your roster you have Mason Wynn. He's not going anywhere. You still have Tommy Edmond. You have Brandon Donovan. You have Nolan Gorman. That's a lot of uh, moving pieces right there. Gorman's best fit right now is at second base. Now, Tommy Edmond is rangier than him. Uh, Gorman, though, when you look at some of the advanced numbers, he's played a, a very, very good second base, and he actually makes some turns that other guys just aren't making due to the fact that he makes up with it for his arm. So there's going to be some big decisions there. But, guys, ha have you ever looked at a team and said, well, they got too much talent. No. It's just, just nope. too much. It doesn't work. No, no, like that, no I'll that's take not that. Thanks. <laughs> BT, I was going to ask, when you look, if you're, starting, if you're a starting pitcher and you look behind you and you see that defense, how much confidence does that give you to go out there and, I can do whatever the hell I want to do. I know these guys are going to back me up. Dude, uh, so, and it should, you should have that already. You do with Arenado and Goldie on the corners. But I remember when I got called up and I had uh, had Scott Rowland over there, the new Hall of Famer. You look over, you got him, you got Eckstein, you had Albert over at first, and you say, all right, well, why don't you just go ahead and hit it to one of those guys and they'd all make <laughs> the plays. And life was good. No, it, it means a lot. And really, when you're going through it, I don't think any pitcher will tell you this. Anybody on the current Cardinal staff would tell you this, but I promise it to be true that I guarantee you there were times where they're standing on the mound. Maybe you step off. That's a disengagement. Now that's going to cost you. But <laughs> you look around and you think, all right, I'm going to have to make this one nasty. Like I'm going to have to get nasty on this pitch because I don't believe that if I go right after this guy that maybe this one's going to get tracked down in the gap. Or, you know, I, I don't know if whoever is rangy enough to go get it. I, I guarantee those thoughts end up getting in your head because when you have ground balls that sneak through and when you have fly balls that drop in front of people, or land in a gap when you know they could be caught, they are maddening. And we always say, hey, you can't control control what you control, but it still gets in there a little bit. So mm -hmm. when you have plus defenders around, when you have a, a group that you know can go out and pick it, it's going to give you far more confidence. And I did want to go back quickly, Kerry, to your point of him uh, – 
going with number zero, the fact that they allowed him to pick a number Seriously. tells you everything <laughs> that you need to know about how yeah. they feel about him. Yeah. You know how I got 48? That's it the was number in they my gave locker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was there. And I was like, hell yeah, uh -huh. 48. 38 me. for I'm, me, too. Hey, that's what <laughs> you're wearing. Uh, okay. I started out as 42. <laughs> I liked the number 42 that I showed up. I was number six. Oh, see? Jimmy Roberts was like, you're going to wear number six. I was okay. like, you got it, Jimmy. I love this number. Damn right I am, Jimmy. That's and, uh, What a fantastic compliment, right? Yeah, it yep. definitely is. You get to pick your own number. You, you're pretty damn good. Hey, BT, I got one last question for you here before we let you get going. Um, how good can Mason Wynn play center field? Because Ollie likes to put a lot of infielders out there these days. <laughs> He'd probably be one of your best. Chances are, right? Uh, now, I don't think that that's going to end up being the case. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you have to do things due to necessity and bounce some pieces around. But right now... Uh, you're limited. You're limited with the pieces that you have. So now Tommy's going to play himself. Uh, Tommy Edmond will be playing himself some center field. We know that he can go get it. And we're going to see the young Mason Wynn play uh, shortstop until tomorrow when he's in center. You know, I think that there's going to be a lot of uh, yeah, He will not be touching the grass out there, that's for sure. Uh, BT, are you on the call tonight? I am. I will be there. I'm heading down right after I get off with you guys. I'm looking forward to catching up with Mason Wynn and, and getting a chance to see this. It's going to be a, a very fun night at the ballpark. It's also a special broadcast, too. It's the Valley Sports Salutes, where we're going to be talking to troops uh, that are dispatched and their families are going to be at the ballpark. So it's going to be a lot of fun this evening. Very nice. Awesome, BT. Well, look, have a great night. Tell Mason Wynn the fast lane says hi, and we wish him well. And uh, thanks a lot for coming on here, bud. Oh, shoot. Thank you, guys. I'll be listening on the way in. And uh, I enjoy you guys. And, Carrie, look, thanks for filling in. Yeah. Uh, I heard you didn't do double duty. I That's did fine. Not. It's no big deal. Nobody's <laughs> judging you. Uh, yeah, you are. You are. <laughs> can't wait. Can't wait to listen. See you, boys. All right. See thanks you. a lot. That again, Brad Thompson, former Cardinals pitcher, member of the Fast Lane, and now Bally Sports Midwest. All right, Kerry, Adam Wainwright, he battled pretty hard last night. Your guy, Wednesdays with Wayno. Mm -hmm. oh, that's your opening drive guy. Can Adam Wainwright build off a of last night's start? We'll find out next here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Oh, you know what that means? The lineup game, baby. Jamie Rivers here with you, Carrie Davis, Andrew Marsh. Carrie, have you ever played the lineup game? I have those? not. I have listened. Oh, my gosh. I, I listened. Are you so, nervous at all? Eh, no, I'm not playing. I mean, not play, I ain't playing the game. No. Playing no. this game, but not the actual game downtown. So Carrie, I'm, here's I'm the good. thing, okay? I, what I we want to be right, though. What I wanted to hear is that you're a little bit nervous. You know I, why? Why? My dad always said, if you're a little bit nervous mm -hmm. when you're going out there to play the game, yeah. means you're about to do something great. Okay. Okay. Well, I might have let you down then. A little bit. It's okay. <laughs> you know what? It's your first time here with me. I'm willing to overlook it. Okay? I appreciate it. All right, let's try it again. Carrie, are you a nervous? I'm nervous as hell, oh, man. Boy. Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay, we got the Cardinals and the Mets. Who's on the bump for the Mets, Marshy? He has no idea. I don't know either. <laughs> I don't think they do either because it's TBD. Oh, that guy's good. That guy's good. We struggle with TBD. Yeah. We, we, we have medicine for that. Anyways, um, we, <laughs> we, uh, we don't know what that is. See, Ollie plays the matchup, so this is where it screws me over. <sighs> because you don't know, like, if it's a lefty, it's probably Tommy Edmond leading off. If okay. it's a righty, 
Well, it might be Tommy Edme anyway. You don't he, have many. He bats righty or lefty. He's you don't have many. Sometimes oh, wait, he bats got, righty on righty. No, we got uh, Luchas. Who's that guy? Lucchese? Lucchese? Lucchese. That's a... Joey Lucchese! <laughs> hey, Joey! You got a pitch today. Joey is a left-handed pitcher. Okay, right. the old LHP. Yeah, you All know right. me. Okay, so uh, I'm thinking Tommy Edmond here. Let's go with Tommy Edmond. I like it. Marshy, show us Tommy Edmond. Tommy likey. Tommy want wingy. All right. Uh, this... Uh, it's usually Paul Goldschmidt, unless you have some strong objection to it. I have no objection to that. Oh, all right. Show us the gold, please. Gold! Rich with gold. Gold! Okay. Okay, so this has been Nolan Arenado here recently. It has been. I don't see any reason why he'd change that right now. I don't either. I'm, I'm, I'm good with Nolan Arenado. Would you like to do this? You got the honors. Go ahead. Show me Nolan Arenado. That. See, now Arnado doesn't get a sound. Why doesn't he have a sound? What <laughs> well, the hell? Carrie, what, what's going on here? We're all about accountability here okay. in the fast lane. And Ollie said, uh, if you hit, you play. Okay. Right? So our motto is, if you hit, we play. You're okay. sounding. <laughs> he didn't get a hit, so he doesn't get a sound. Ah, I like it. All right. Yeah. I respect it. I mean, the, the players know it, too. They know they it. They text so, me, and they're like, man, you didn't play the sound. I'm like, you, gotta, you didn't get a hit. You didn't get a hit. It's on you, not us. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Slot number four here. I think it's Big Willie Contreras. Oh, is he playing? Is he DHing or catching today? I don't know. He'll be he'll be he'll batting. be in the lineup. He'll be batting. All right, put him at put him at. Let's see Willie. Show us that big Willie. There we go. Oh, he didn't have a hit last night either. Nope. <laughs> oh, nope. See, darn it. There's no hiding. <laughs> okay. So, All right. So okay. So let's see. Yesterday was Tyler O'Neill. Um. He had a home run field. yesterday. Hey, hey my guy got a home run, Marcy. Yeah. That's two days in a row for you. Yeah, baby. We're up to nine now. Anthony's going to come back and be like, what the hell? He's going to think we're cheating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to go Tyler O'Neill? It's Canadian bacon. Let's All right, go. Let's go there. Show us Tyler O'Neill. My fingers hurt. Oh, well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pull landscaping duty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we need center. We need a right fielder. And we need... It was Jordan Walker Jordan yesterday. Jordan Walker in the 6 hole. I don't see any reason why right. you wouldn't want Jordan Walker in the 6 hole. Let's go J-Dub. Show us. Walk it like it's hot. <laughs> he didn't get a hit. He didn't get a hit. Can, they, have you heard his sounder reason. before? I have not. Okay, can we please just make an exception? <laughs> because Anthony Stalter one day, you know, like, walk it like a talk. Like yeah, that's what, yeah. He thought it was walk it like it's hot. <laughs> And so he's like, show me, walk it like it's hot. So Marshy made a mashup. Walk it like it's hot. Walk it like it's hot. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Okay. All right. That's what we do around here. We make fun of each other. Okay. Yesterday was Andrew Kisner here. I don't think his daddy's catching today. So we are two, three, We're at seven. Four, five, six, seven. Hmm. I think what this. We need a second baseman and a shortstop. Yeah, we do. And we need, uh, let's see here. We got Edmund O'Neill Walker in the outfield. Who's DHing? Can we go Burley? Oh, it's a lefty up. You said a lefty. Yeah, lefty. Uh, okay. Oh, I think Taylor Motter is going to play second Taylor base today. Motter. If this is the matchup, or it's Gorman here. But Gorman, Gorman be, is Gorman out. is out. Yeah, yeah he got, he's got a It's got to be Motter. Let's go Motter. All right. Show us the Mott sauce. What a shame. Oh, son of a batch of biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, is it freaking Kiz Daddy again? Uh, Contreras at DH or the left hand? You know what? I'm feeling crazy. Uh, first Are you base. okay with me saying Kisner? Did he get a hit yesterday? 
Yeah. He's okay. all the time. No, go this guy does go, nothing but get on base. Kids. Let's see. All right, show us the captain. You're wrong. Ah. <laughs> so we need a Sorry. second baseman and a shortstop. I feel like Wynn is batting eighth I for feel, whatever reason. Well, it, I don't know. I mean, who's left? Who so the hell yeah. is on this team? Jose for me. Jose, no, he ain't no, batting, he batting seventh. seventh. Give your head a shake, Kerry. My gosh. <laughs> I'm trying to look on the rock. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of guys. Yeah, I know. Um, yesterday was Kisner. I, Do you want to go Mason, Mason Wynn? Show us that winning style, baby. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Who the hell are we missing? <laughs> we're missing somebody. Who the hell? Well, are you we need missing? a. You got a first baseman. Firmin you got a third is not baseman. batting seventh. Oh, is what Luke about that other guy? Is Luke and Baker batting? Oh, Palacio, Enrico Palazzo. Palas- Palacios. <laughs> Palacios. Yeah, yeah. Hey, him. Show Richie. Us, show us Palacios. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so well, you need a you need a DH, right? If Wilson is is catching, yeah. So is it Luke Luke and Baker? Oh God, yeah, Rube Baker it, it, from Major League Three. <laughs> <laughs> Show us Rube Baker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Do you know what song that is? <laughs> I do. What is that from, though? Baker Street. Baker no. Street. Okay. Like I think it. this is Mason Wynn, and I think Furry Fermin is ninth. All right. Let's go Mason Wynn here. Show us the winner. You are so Gosh, wrong. All right. It's got to be Fermin, then, at second base. Or Taylor Motter. Oh, which one are you want to go? You want to go Taylor Motter? They love the Mott let's go. Let's go. We got. I like to call him Tomater from Cars. Go ahead. Hey, show me Tomater. What the H is wrong with you guys? <laughs> it's Enrico Palazzo, then. It has to be. <laughs> it might be for me. I already said him. Well, not, Did then, I not? No. You said oh. win, and then we said Taylor Motter. I thought we said for me. No, we said him for batting seventh. <sighs> show us for me. Yeah. Son of a. I forget sometimes. This has been a disaster, by the way. <laughs> now this is Mason Wynn. Go ahead, Carrie. Show me. us the superstar. Rookie shortstop, Mason Wynn. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> oh, my God, that's bad. Marshy, run it, baby. <laughs> All right, guys, leading oh. off in center field, Tommy Edmond batting second, the DH, Paul Goldschmidt. Batting third, third baseman, Nolan Arnado. The cleanup hitter, catching Wilson Contreras. Batting fifth in left field, Tyler O'Neill. Batting sixth in right field, Jordan Walker. Batting seventh, first baseman, Lucan Baker. <laughs> mm. Batting eighth, second baseman, Jose Fermin. And batting ninth, the shark stop, Mason Wynn. So, Kerry, as you know, this works. We just pick a home run guy. And okay. It's got to be, we pick a Cardinals player to hit a home run, and the home run has to be the first home run of the game. Okay. So, even if your guy hits a home run, if it's and after it's my guy, it doesn't count. Uh, you, so, would you like to go first? Or are you going to No, we'll let, give the honors the to you. Let the guests go first. I'm going to go, well, I'm going to go Nolan Arenado. He, he. Oh, really going out on the limb yeah, here. Yeah, I know, right? I, <laughs> Chalk all day, baby. It may, I mean, it makes sense, right? I do it all the time. Don't feel bad at all. There's no guilt here. All right. So we got Kerry Davis, OCD, and with Nolan Arenado. Marsh, I'll let you go next because I picked last yesterday and it worked out for me. I'm going to go with 
Ooh, I'm between Luke and Baker and Mason Wynn. Uh, why not? Why not? Mason Wynn. I thought I wanted to go there. But why not? <laughs> Nolan's going to hit it in the first inning. He won't get there first. That's why. Yeah. That's why not. So here's what's going to happen. Is Nolan Arenado is going to – what's going to happen? Tommy Edmonds going to get on base. Goldie's mm-hmm. going to walk. Arenado's going to hit a pop fly. He's going to advance the, re- the runners. And then Contreras is going to take <laughs> that baby out the yard. I got the big willy working for me, baby. All right. <laughs> All right. There's your lineup and your home run picks for your Cardinals today. First pitch at what time? 6.15? Sure. It's at 7.15. That's what I said, 7.15. 6.15 Mountain Time. Yeah, 6.15 Mountain Time, Cardinals, Mets. All right, we teased this earlier. We talked about Adam Wainwright's start last night. Can he build off of what he did last night? We'll find out next here in the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Evergreen, and Azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. his mind as he walks out to the mound tonight well anxious nervous determined I mean there's so many things going through his mind been there done that when you're at the tail end of your career you know this is not the way you want to end and I tell you what this is a proud man great teammate and he's going to be as determined as ever to turn the ship around Ooh, strike three got the call from Marvin Hudson behind the plate I just love that guy we do, too, here in the fast lane. Heck, all of 101 ESPN loves Adam Wainwright. Jamie Rivers here. Kerry Davis in for Anthony Stalter. Andrew Marsh working the dials. All right, Kerry, let's go back here. Let's go back to Wednesdays with Wayne. Yeah. You guys have him on every Wednesday morning, mm-hmm. and he's amazing. He comes on, you know, gives up his time and yeah. all that stuff. Sometimes gives you guys more than one segment. Definitely. Before we get into his performance last night, what was your takeaway from you guys talking to Wayne on Wednesday? You know, I think that, you know, we talked about this as well. Just being a professional athlete is hard. It's hard to – it's both hard physically and mentally. And the mental aspect of it is the hardest part. It's much harder to stay locked in, dialed in mentally than it is physically. We're gifted to be able to run fast, skate fast, jump high, whatever the case may be. But to be able to dial it in mentally every single day, especially when you are struggling, you've been there, Mm. I've been there. I was at a point one time where my coach in college said, if we call this play and Kerry Davis is in the game, call a timeout. He's not catching anything. I couldn't catch anything. So 
it's mental. And so for me, listening to him on Wednesday, I think he understood that. I think he understands where he is, and he wants to push through and finish. He doesn't want the memory or the legacy of his career to be remembered for what he did in his final season. And so I think he went out there last night and really showed the mental fortitude that he's been needing the show to get through that game. Yeah, all right. So in case you're wondering, Adam Wainwright went six innings last night, which is amazing. Yes. I mean, he mo- made it out of a, the most first of the rotation inning. is not going six innings, <laughs> right. let alone a guy who's been quote unquote struggling. Yeah. So six innings, four hits, three runs, three walks, two strikeouts. Look, Adam Wainwright at this point his career is not going to be striking out the world. I'm sure he'd like a couple of those walks back. But what I liked about Waino last night was he looked dialed in. Yeah. Like the stuff was was better. Mm-hmm. His location was better. Yep. But he looked dialed in. And for me, it's it's the look that he gets when he's confident. Mm-hmm. Now, what I felt bad about for poor Waino was that slam a lama ding dong. From our guy Pete Alonzo, <laughs> the big strong guy, yeah, end up being a two run banger when it could have should could have and should have just been a one run. Yeah, because Jordan Walker goes up, his defense has been average at best. Yeah, he makes the grab and then knocks his hand yeah. off the top of the wall. He's yeah. lucky it didn't bounce out. Yeah, although it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Look at it, <laughs> but flips it back in. I felt bad in that moment, and I thought to myself, I've seen this earlier this year. Where Wayno's right in a position to where he's he's shoving, he's doing mm-hmm. good, he's in a rhythm, and then there's a a missed play yeah. in the field somewhere, and it just spirals. Yeah, I think the thing to to keep in mind as well, every man in that in the, on that team and that's on that field with him understands what he's going through. So they're trying to give you everything they got. They're trying their hardest, and sometimes maybe you try a little bit too hard and, and don't make the play that needs to be made. I just really think that when you're watching Adam Wainwright, he if he were able to, if you would able, if you were to dissect last night's uh, start, I think he would tell you the the few batters that he allowed to get three balls on before he was able to throw a strike. Just those extra pitches that he's throwing, trying to be probably too fine in certain moments. Those were the pitches that I think he would look at and say, eh, "I wish I would do better in that part." And then I'd have less pitches. I'd have more stuff to give later on. And probably be being a different uh be a different outcome. Yeah, but I can't blame the guy. No, no, no. I, I when you're struggling, Carrie, yeah. think about it, right? Like you talked about not being able to catch a pass. Yes. I had it where I'm not kidding you. I'd be sitting there before a game visualizing <laughs> listen to this, okay? I'm playing in the NHL at yeah. this point. I'm visualizing a D to D pass to me and me just getting it up the wall to the forward. Yeah. I'm not trying to make a real good pass, not even tape to tape. I don't even care. I'm visualizing just not having it blow up on my stick. Not mess up. Yeah. And and you know, like I know, when you start thinking like that, what do you do? You mess up. (laughs) 100%. I was gripping that stick like in my life, like it owed me money. It just because it's a fearful thing, and so that's the mental aspect of it for him. I'm sure there's been times where he grips the ball a little bit tighter. I got to throw this harder, so I'm going to grip it tighter. And now your mechanics are different from what you've been doing for your entire career. And so I, I think last night I thought John Smoltz did a really good job as well, kind of dissecting that when he was going through his struggles. Man, you don't even want to be out there mentally. You, it, you're you've had this great career. You dig a hole and hide, and in you want to go away. Uh, like, how can I get away from uh-uh. this? But you have to stand here and deal with it, and everybody's watching you. And so now, how do I respond? And I think last night was a great response from Adam Wainwright because he's been going through it, and to be out, to be able to go out there 
and not a not a stellar performance, but much better oh, than what on. he's done. That's a hell of a performance, Kerry. But to his standards, what the hell standards, wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, to his standards, what the hell are you expecting these tits? What, what I what I want is Have I always his, want did more. Did you see his last one? Yes, I did. It that was, was a hell of a performance last night. <laughs> it was good. Come on, <laughs> it was good. But I guarantee Tough you, crowd. he still wants more from himself. Well, yeah, you know, the great ones always do. They always do. They so. always do, and they're, they're never ever ready for the career to expire. He said something though, and I want to get your take on this because he. He brought up the fact that when you start talking about retirement, I know you have been there. I have been there. Mm-hmm. The moment you let that thought creep into your mind, it's usually over. It's hard you to get one up. foot out at that point. Oh, man, it's hard to get up every day and work and grind. And the moment you tell yourself, you know what? I don't have to go work out today. You might as well stop because that's the moment where your career is dying and and you're going to either die with it <laughs> or you're going to just say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to pass on this season. So he talked about kind of letting that that creep into his mindset and how that has impacted him as well. Well, I wonder if him setting the 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 year up like it's my last year. Yes. I wonder if that has impacted the mental state for him because He's literally every time he's pitching, it's or, or every time he's at the ballpark, it's one less day he's yeah. got in his career. Yeah, and you start to think about this stuff, and then when you're struggling, you're like, "Man, I've only got a handful yes. of stuff. I got to get my ish together yeah. here." Yeah, it, it becomes very difficult. And I, I know I was telling someone, my friend uh, tweeted something like, "When did you know your career was over?" And I texted, I said, "You know, I was sitting at a bar in Tampa. I had just had a what workout. Bar? With- Do you remember?" It was a it was a bar at the airport. Okay, all right. It was a bar I thought at the maybe airport. You're in Ebor no, no. City or no, something. No, no. If I was in Ebor, I was uh, at yeah. a different bar <laughs> <laughs> with some entertainment around. I was <laughs> indeed. I was at a bar in Tampa. I had just got had come from a workout with the Buccaneers. I didn't get signed, and I was sitting at that bar. I ordered a beer, a burger, and some fries, and I was like, "Yeah, it's over." Like, I, I knew in that moment, this mm-hmm. is it. I don't want to go to another workout. I don't know how hard I train to get. I'm not doing this over and over again and not coming home with a contract. I'm done. It's hard, and man. It's it's and it takes so much away from you when you finally say, "This is it. Yeah. I can't do this anymore." You know when I knew it was over? When? When I was laying on a steel table in Croatia <laughs> in the operating room and my stomach was cut wide open. Oh, yeah. That's when you said enough is enough. Hmm. What, and were I, you, what did you have I surgery on? Paddle marks oh. on my body. What, yeah. what happened? Oh, I'll tell you all about oh, it. I got Just a lower body injury. <laughs> it was a uh, it, it was a middle body injury that uh, had me flatlined for oh, over two minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. And they forgot about me over in the corner. Thought I was dead. Oh my goodness. That's when I woke up and I was like, man, this might be it. <laughs> you didn't do this anymore. <laughs> it really might be it. <laughs> Anyways, it'll be fun to watch Adam Wainwright the rest of the season as uh, he continues to chase number 200, although I don't know if he really cares about that anymore. I think he wants to just finish Finish strong. Last night was steps in the right direction. So all the best to Adam Wainwright. We got our guy Kerry Davis in here, and we would be fools, absolute fools, not to talk some football. So we come back. We're going to talk about the NFL and maybe their need for a minor league system. Based on what Kerry just talked about, end of the career, just bopping around from practice squad to practice squad. Been there, too, by the way. (laughs) Maybe the NFL needs to expand. Maybe the minors are in the call for them. Here, next, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's 
to Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Time check, 2.46 p.m. That's brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, official provider of Rolex jewelry. We got my guy Kerry Davis in here for Anthony Stalter, Andrew Marsh. And uh, we're going to talk some NFL. And, Kerry, this is a discussion we started to lightly have in the office. And I mm-hmm. said, Bob, save yeah, it. Yeah. Save it. <laughs> because I wanted your I wanted your input on this. And I feel for a long time now I've been beating the drum that the NFL needs not not just a feeder system, mm-hmm. but a minor league system yeah. so that you're not having practice players bounce from team to team to team, guys who are cut, they're sitting at home for weeks on end or a month at a time, and then they're back on a practice roster. So why do we not have this? Like, in essence, I know it's a very broad question. I understand that. But why would the NFL, with all the friggin' money they have, not have a league where they can actually call guys up from? Well, they they use college football for that. And the reason why they wouldn't do that is because – they would have to put money into that. What? I don't know if you know this, but they're, they're not really fond of spending money. They're they about like making it. money. They like it. They're not really fond of spending it. So I think that's the issue um, that you have in terms of the NFL really dealing and, and buying into making a minor league system that would benefit all of their all of their teams. But why would you spend money when? Alabama is going to spend good money to, to, to get your players prepared. Why? Yeah, <laughs> LSU, here, Michigan, Ohio State, those programs do yeah, a what fantastic happens to those guys job. Who age out? So here's my problem with that theory, okay? Not with you, but with yeah. the theory, like the NFL thought process yeah. of it is you got players who age out of college, and maybe they were draft picks, you know, mm-hmm. late, and they don't make the squad. They got nowhere to go. Yeah. So they sit at home or they go practice with their former college or high school yeah. team if they can yep. get on the field, but they can't really do anything because they're going to end up murdering kids out there. <laughs> this is a problem. It is. It's a massive problem. Like, And this is where I felt like the XFL should have capitalized on this. And maybe they will eventually. Mm-hmm. I know they have um, some partnership with the NFL. They're sharing certain things. They, I, they talk about a kinship with the yeah. NFL. But what not a, is, not a business know. model, not a not a not a relationship. It's we're friendly, but we're not gonna. You know, you're good for you. You're just a good friend. We're not gonna date one another. We're gonna just be friends. You're in the friend zone. Yeah, that's, that's what the NFL friends is with doing. Benefits. Yeah, not that many benefits though. <laughs> no, but some. <laughs> At least few, some, right? A few. It's better than nothing, Carrie. You know that. Come on now. It definitely is. <laughs> and the NFL, like I said, they have no desire to do that because. They'll just look for the for the young kids from uh, from college, and you talk about guys aging out. This is a young man sport, just as hockey is. Just yeah, but as aging the MLB. out could be twenty four. It could be, but why why go get a twenty four year old when there's a twenty one year old? But that, that guy's is, usually still in school. They, they graduate early. They they get out of there, or they don't graduate. They can leave after their junior year. So twenty twenty one years old, and you can go get him versus a guy that has jumped around on roster to roster, didn't make a team. Then they begin questioning you, well, why haven't you made a team? I had people asking me that. When I got to Pittsburgh, why in the hell haven't you made a team? That ain't my fault. So walk us through that, okay? What was your process when you got when, when you first broke into mm-hmm. the NFL? Like, you started to map out some of it for me in the office, yeah. but I, a lot of people don't understand your path. Yeah, so I was an undrafted rookie. So going into my senior year, I was the number two fullback in the country. Got injured, messed my knee up, had to have knee surgery. Didn't play well until probably week seven or eight of that season. And, you know, it was really too little too late at that point. Mm-hmm. So undrafted free agent, go to Indianapolis. Um, I do really well. I was telling you and Marshy, when we get time to, you know, the you watch Hard Knocks and they go cut guys. And my, my conversation – I was expecting them to say, you're, you're on the team. 
the conversation was, you're on the team, but you're on practice squad. And that pissed me off because I knew I had done enough work to make the team. And so practice squad, then I they tell me, well, you're going to travel with us for the first game of the year. We're playing the New England Patriots on Thursday night. We're the first game of the season, kicking it off. We might activate you. Okay, activate me for the game, play. And then they cut me again. And so now you're at home. Waiting, I sat around instead from, of in a minor league system where it, you can keep getting reps. And you're so what at I, home. I had to do was go back to the University of Illinois, train, stay prepared until the Atlanta Falcons called me, and then I'm there for for that fall, for the rest of that winter, and the the playoff run that we had, and then the next year. And so it just goes on and on like that. Where if you're not making a team or if you're not staying on a team, you have to stay in shape. You're chasing a carrot that you may not ever see or get to eat. You don't know, but you have to stay prepared. And for them, for us, we had NFL Europe when I was playing, where guys would be able to yeah. go to go over to Europe. But even that was a, a difficult thing because with NFL Europe, their season runs right up until the start of the NFL season. So if you played well in Europe and got signed to an NFL team— it's like two seasons in one. You do not— I had a friend that had to do that. It— he was going to die. I didn't think he was going. I was yeah, going to see lot, him. Man. That's a lot. By January or February of next year, he his body was tore. He was tore up. So it's a lot of football. It's a lot of time consuming things that take place. The NFL has no desire, in my opinion, to do that. The XFL and USFL, I think, are doing a really good job of being independent on their own. If anything, I would like to see those two merge and have a league of all of the best players. Now, when you do get an opportunity, because XFL guys have gone to the NFL. A lot of contracts USFL, that have been signed. There you go. So it's I mean, opportunities there. They're not guaranteed, but they're signed. They're signed. Well, none of them are guaranteed. I know. I think they get the guaranteed money. Those guys ain't getting it, though. No. no. Not at all. <laughs> so, not if you're, unless you're a quarterback starting. It's true. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, it, that's, uh, that's really what the NFL is. They're like, well, why do we need to do this? You all, we're what you want. You want to be here. Why do yeah. we have to pay you to be a part of something? You all need to just figure it out on your own, yeah. and we'll cherry pick the good guys, team the team that we like. I I get I understand the concept, and listen, my business brain goes, yeah, the NFL's got to figure it out. Why would they care? They, exactly. But so my business brain counters itself at this point, and I go, I'm Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I got the XFL. Yeah. I guarantee I can drag the USFL into my partnership with the XFL, right. make one big like super league yep. type thing, and then we can farm out. Let's run our season parallel to the NFL yeah. instead of Monday, Thursday, Sunday games. Yeah. We'll go with Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. I know college football competes at times, but we don't care because right. the model is supported by the fact that we have the NFL right. as in our umbrella. Right. And then you sell the NFL on having a certain number of players that they send down to yeah. your teams. Yeah, to keep working. To keep working, yep. to keep active. So instead of a guy sitting on the practice roster for three, four months, well, he gets game reps. Even if you're on pra- practice, I had to learn this the hard way and because I was one of those guys that was frustrated. Practice squad is better than no squad. So I understood that. And so if you're on the practice squad, you do everything with the team up until it's time to, to, to play a game on Sunday or Monday or whatever. that is. And then they tell you don't show up. Well, you, it depends on the organization. Can you get to stand on the sidelines? Yes, yeah, so it depends on the organization. You can be in the suite. It depends on which. Now, some teams <laughs> hey, stay home. But see, see you on Tuesday. See yeah. you on uh, see you on Wednesday, and that's just per team. But I think what you're talking about is allocating spots for those guys. Maybe the last cuts off the roster yeah. in training camp. Your last hey, five guys, you're, like you're going to play on this team. We'll keep in the close eye on you. We'll watch. We'll watch the film, and when we have an injury. 
to the uh, main roster. We're probably going to bring a practice squad up, but now we have a uh, a practice squad spot available for you as well. So that and might I've be the best way. I've thought about quarterbacks too. And I understand there's a risk that you run with that, but look, hockey has the same risk. Yeah, you get a, a a stud player that's not ready for the NHL. He's playing in the American League. Yeah, and every knuckle dragger in the league's trying to take a <laughs> shot at him. Okay, right. So when I look at like a Zach Wilson mm-hmm. or the guys who are just not quite ready, wouldn't it be great to be able to send a young quarterback down? And he's getting game reps nonstop against men, not yeah. boys anymore. He's yeah. not playing in the college offensive package anymore. He's not playing against 18-year-old kids. I know there's risk, Kerry, but yeah. there's risk in everything. There are. And, and, but I think the issue that the NFL would have— I think football have, just needs to toughen up. <laughs> no, I will agree. Listen, no, no, this I'm joking. Is, I'm no, joking. no, no. I, will tell, I, I don't know if I told you this. I do think hockey players are tougher oh, because God, there is never that. a day in my entire life that I would lay on the ice and take a slap shot to the face. <laughs> it doesn't sound nothing about that. Listen, you are tough as hell if you're willing. If you are willing to do that, not even if you got hit. It doesn't. If you're willing. It to doesn't do it. feel good. Yeah, I can nah, promise I, you that. I don't. I don't think I need to do but that. But I also see there's there's a whole sense of crazy in a guy your size. Picking up the blitz, yeah. When yeah. a guy's coming huffing down at you know th- six foot three, two hundred fifty-five pounds coming at you at freaking twenty-five miles an hour, you got to be able. You got to have a little crazy in you to do There's that. There's a lot of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I still believe that it's crazy that the NFL doesn't have some kind of a minor league setup. Whether you like my idea or you hate it, I think there is a necessity for something for some of these players that are the last cuts to keep them active, to yeah. keep them going. We'll see if the XFL or the USFL figure out something like that, or we'll see if the NFL just continues to hold strong with their what they're doing right now, that which they'll probably do since they don't have a reason they to do the a, other part. Then, then, then but if they ever them. change their mind, Kerry, they can call me. There you go. All right. You got it figured out for them. All right. Our guy, <laughs> Kyle Hebert from St. Louis City SC, he's a... I wonder what he's been doing. I mean, vacation, maybe he's had a couple of pina coladas to feed up sitting by the beach. I don't know. We'll find out next. We're going to talk to him here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers with you here. Andrew Marsh, our guy Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champion. He's subbing in for our guy Anthony Stalter, who uh, is doing the Griswolds family road trip Very this nice. weekend. I know where they're going. I believe it's Great Wolf Lodge. You ever been there? No, never. Never even heard mm. of it. It's fantastic. It's in Kansas City. Okay. It's a great establishment. It's a hotel that's literally dedicated to kids. Really? Every floor they have these clues, and they give the kids magic wands, and they can go down and, like, Really? Put the magic wand, and they got to solve the riddle, and they run to the next riddle. And it's interesting. It's how, great, how but old, you better bring your old? tennis shoes. Okay, how old? What's the cutoff for for kids? Like, what's the age limit? Well, I don't know. Anthony was pretty excited about it. <laughs> I pretty, he, he had a wand that he purchased off Amazon. He was, he was ready, ready to, to roll. Go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the water park. It's ma- massive I have been water, to the water park. park. That was yeah. when I was younger, though. Anthony brought a helmet this time. Okay. You, you heard about yeah. the last time? <laughs> what happened? Uh, Anthony was down visiting his parents in Florida. Okay. And I think he had a couple of makers uh-huh. in him, and uh, he went under the water. And you know how you like propel yourself? You push with your yeah. feet off the wall to yeah. get like, maximum speed. <laughs> Somehow Anthony <laughs> propelled himself face first into the wall in the pool. How do you propel? What wall? What the? Heck? What was he doing? Carrie? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. He m- mashed up his face, and the kids were crying. There's blood oh. in the water. 
Oh yeah, he ruined the he ruined the the, the, uh-huh. the family outing. With he was that. like he was like Gaylord Foxer there in Meet the Parents. <laughs> the blood everywhere. The game ended right there. It's over. We gotta go. Yeah. Everybody gotta leave. That's our guy I was, Anthony. Uh, I was touching the microphone and I remembered you had a had an issue a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, it was yeah. shocking. Me. It was shocked. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is that? I did. And the worst part is, is you know how you have the mouse that grabs the cheese and gets electrocuted. Yeah. It usually stops, right? right? I wasn't you kept stopping. Going. I kind of liked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I met this mic in the morning, so when I came uh, in the next day, I heard, I heard something like, yeah. what the hell is that? Uh-huh. I, said, I'm I not. didn't set you and up. Somebody set Ryder me up. showed me the video. I said, I'm not touching that thing. I, I can learn from somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carrie, I, while I got you on here, while we're waiting for Kyle Hebert, by the way, from St. Louis City SC, uh, he'll be joining us momentarily, at least we think he is. Um, I, I, I made a comment a couple days ago. And, of course, I should have known better than to talk about a local guy in a negative way. Okay. Ezekiel Elliott. Okay. Okay. Now, Easy. Okay. All right. So yep. here's the deal. Here is all I said. All right. All I said is that I saw a, a video package of Zeke from about the last 10 games that he played mm-hmm. where that guy would have rather do anything else except pick up the blitz and block. Well, here's the thing. Nah. Okay. No. You know. No, no, I was going to. You know. He's looking like he wants to pick it up. He's looking like he wants to block, but he's really not trying. I would tell you that you could probably watch more than just the last 10 games. That's okay. been his his Achilles heel pretty much his entire time in Dallas was not really a stellar pass blocker. And I, and, and I can attest to it. I, well, I that's watched what I'm it. asking you, yeah, too. No, he, he, it, was something, it was one of the, the things that he didn't do well or hasn't done well throughout his entire career. And as a running back, so my running back coach in college, he stressed the importance of block, catch, run. And he would say, in that order. He said, because every running back runs the ball. That's in your job description. Yeah. You should be able to do that. If you can't that. do that. If you can't do that, you're not playing <laughs> you running play. back. <laughs> so we'll put that last. So yeah. blocking was the number one. If you can't pass protect, you can't play. And so that was my running back coach in college. When I got to the Indianapolis Colts, my coach Gene Huey, would, he, he was the running back coach there. He brought in myself and Rand Carthon, who was the general manager for the Tennessee Titans. We were rookies together. And, and, and Gene had a picture of Y.A. Tittle on the wall bloodied up on his knees, and he looked me and Rand square in the face, and he said, if number 18, speaking of Peyton Manning, if number 18 ever looks like that because of something you did or didn't do, your ass is going to be out of here, and I'm going to be right behind you. So pass protection is the number one focus point of a running back when you got a good quarterback. When you got a quarterback in general, you have to be able to pass protect, and Zeke has not done a great job of that. He got better – I want to say a couple of years ago, but if you're saying you watched ten games last year and it yeah. wasn't stellar, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. Like, and I listen. This is the untrained eye, too, yeah. Okay, and I'm watching. And I so here's how what I equated it to, is I equated it to a defenseman in hockey mm-hmm. wanting to block a shot. Yes, willingly putting himself like you know when a guy really wants to get hit by yes. the puck. Yes. So a blocking back or a running back that has to pick up the block, protect the quarterback. Mm-hmm. You have to want to be involved. The physical confrontation has to be like engaged. That's all pass protection is. It's a will. It's a want. Nobody. I mean, here's the thing. You got a linebacker who knows where he's going, how fast he's running, and he's going to blitz. And you got to decide, I want to pick him up right now. And if you don't, quarterback gets hit in the mouth. All right. Take that text line. <laughs> all right. We are finally able to get out to the celebrity line and be joined by our guy, Kyle Hebert from St. Louis City SC. Kyle, how you doing, buddy? 
Oh, Marshy? We got it? Kyle, how you doing, bud? We had him. Ah. Oh, he's not there. Technology. Oh, my goodness. All I'm, right. I'm here. Oh, oh there we there go. Are. Kyle, how you doing, my friend? Yeah, sorry. You guys just came in, so I'm good, good. How are you guys? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. Our guy Anthony is out right now. He's on a, a Griswold family vacation before school starts, so we'll have to forgive him for that. <laughs> Okay, hey, we've all missed time, so yeah, we'll let that one slide. Yeah, but we got uh, Super Bowl champion in here, Kerry Davis, who's pinch hitting for Anthony. Um, and I wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit here because you've had some off time. And uh, we each kind of had a vision of what Kyle Hebert was doing <laughs> with his off time. And my vision was that, like, my Kyle Hebert, he was down somewhere in the Bahamas with his feet kicked up. He had a drink of some kind. It had an umbrella in it, which I forgive you because you're on vacation. Um, am I even close? No, you're nowhere near it. Son of a! <laughs> I was uh, I was up in I was up in Canada for most of it with family. Um, yeah, so just spending time with them, get, getting away, um, mentally relaxed, but still keeping ticking over. So it was a, it was a good break. It was refreshing, but it's good to be back. All right. So when you're up in Canada, were you out on the lake at all? Unfortunately, not because I ended I'm up for coming two, Kyle. <laughs> in between weekends. Yeah, I missed the lake. Yeah. <laughs> Where were you up in Canada? Just out of curiosity. Uh, just outside of Winnipeg. Oh, okay, Winnipeg. Actually, Carrie, I'll tell you what. Winnipeg, we call it winter peg because okay. it gets really cold Ooh, in the winter, okay. but in the summertime, it's gorgeous. Really, absolutely gorgeous. Great fishing up in that area, camping, all that outdoor stuff is fantastic. You all have to teach me about. Uh, I've been to Vancouver. I've been to Toronto. I don't much know much else about Canada. Yeah, so maybe a, you and Kyle can. Uh, we'll take you on a tour. Yeah, we'll get one of those buses. I, I would love that. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> Kyle, we were. I wanted to know you got the rest, but how important is rest versus rust? I mean, we talk about it all the time. When you have this much time off, is there any concern that when you all do return to play, you'll be ready to roll? Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not too concerned. I think we actually last week we did a, a pre uh, not a preseason, but a midseason friendly with Atlanta to kind of shake some of that rust off that might have started to accumulate. And we we train hard. We get after it. So that internal competition, I feel like that is super helpful in breeding out some of that you know complacency or whatnot that could creep in. So I think we're in a good place. Hey Kyle, uh, we've obviously missed Klaus for a long time here. I know he's been training with you guys. Uh, is he? How close is he to getting back into the lineup for you for your team? Yeah, I mean that'd probably be a, a question for the, the medical staff. But it is it has been good. Like you can see the the progression there. We've been able to see it where he is back out on the pitch with us. Um, and even before he was out on the pitch with us, the you can see the progression to where he was out you know, running and doing fitness and, and getting his body ready for the load that is coming from for games in the future. And so I'm hopeful that it'll be soon. I'm sure they'll do another scan. They'll make sure they got everything everything right before they uh, put him back out there. But, yeah, he's a, he's a big guy. It'll be good to – it's good to see him smiling and being out on the pitch with us because you kind of miss that when you're just getting treatment and you're doing all the stuff on your own that camaraderie building experience of those moments of training. He's missed those as well. So it's good to have him back for that. Yeah. It's a lonely time. I speak from experience. I know Carrie, you do too. When you're injured, you're out there on, on the Island and you're not part of the regular stuff. That is tough. 
Now, I will say this. You guys, first place heading into the stretch run here. LAFC nipping at your heels right now. Real Salt Lake nipping at your heels right now. Uh, you know, what's the focus as you guys head into the rest of the season here? What's your focus to try and stay at the top and kind of maybe ignore some of that stuff that's going on behind you? Yeah, and we're, uh, you know, Bradley's done a good job with us. Like, the se- it's a long season, and, um, you know, we kind of break it up into six-game blocks, and we say, okay, what's our target for this six-game block? And then we kind of go from there and, to, and then just focus on the game ahead. But, but a big focus for us throughout the whole year has been, can we get the maximum amount of points out of home games possible? And so we're, it's, it's a beautiful thing. We get to start off with a home game on Sunday night against Austin. Can we take three points from that? You know, Austin's been a really hot team as well. Coming off after the midseason, they, they've really turned their, their season around too, you know, pushed into the playoffs, and they've got some good players. So can we kickstart this thing again with a win against Austin and then just go from there? Kyle, I think one of the things that has separated you all from other teams is the conditioning. Uh, Jamie has had to condition. I have had to condition. But I think soccer takes conditioning to a completely different level. Have you ever looked over at the trainer and asked, what the hell are we doing? This is, this is madness. <laughs> um, no. You know, you know what the crazy thing, to be honest, is, is there? Like, we train hard and we get after it, but they're very specific with the, the meter targets, more specifically – they call it the high metabolic load. And so it tracks our sprints, our distance, our accelerations, kind of all the stuff that really puts the body under fatigue and strain. Hmm. And so they'll be practicing, we'll be playing at the end, and they're like, all right, that's it. You guys are done. We'll have hit the HML load for the day. And that's usually on our hard days. So match day minus four or match day minus three. Um, so either, which would have been for us Wednesday or Thursday of this week. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we're a bunch of competitors, so the game's tied, and the guys are like, we just want to keep playing. You know? <laughs> and so two days ago, Bradley was saying to us, he's like, hey, if anybody needs to know the science behind why we do what we do, um, come and let me know, because there was some frustration. So I think <laughs> especially when you're, when you're in season, it's a good thing to have a bunch of guys who it's like, we just want to keep playing. Um, I'd probably say preseason is the time when you do some stuff and you're kind of looking at your trainer, you're like, what is going on here? Like, this is this is insane. But yeah, midseason stuff, you know, especially when you're with the ball, you just want to keep going. Kyle Hebert here from St. Louis City SC. Join us. We've got one more for you, Kyle, before you let you go. Uh, Lionel Messi uh, playing for Inter Miami, and he has taken taken the league by storm here. I realize there hasn't been a lot of regular season games, but he still has been quite a highlight reel down there. What's your take on Lionel Messi or guys like Lionel Messi who come into the MLS and have success? Yeah, I think it's good for the league just showing, um, you know, shining a brighter light on it. And um, I think it's also important to to remember, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of take where, where he came and he's turned the team around. I mean, he's done ridiculous things over this break, but he came in with Busquets and he came in with Jordi Alba, two other accomplished pros who have been operating at a very, very high level. So it shows like the, the collective, that collective threesome has really given Miami a lift. And you can kind of see that, you know, in terms of once teams play with confidence and belief, like the other players on Miami who, I mean, I think we were actually the last team to beat them before they, you know, Messi started playing this League's Cup break or this window. And you can just see these other players are playing with this newfound energy and purpose and drive. 
And so that's why it's just the mentality behind it all has been, I found it very interesting to watch and it's fun to have him in the league. So now what's the mentality for you? You're, you're a guy that's got to play against these high powered offensive players and you know, you haven't, I don't believe anyways, you've had the opportunity to play against Lionel Messi yet. Whenever that time comes in the future, how do, how do you approach something like that? Yeah, I think you, you know, there'll probably be a lot of, you know, noise going around and you just try and block, you know, block that as much as you can um, for whenever you step on the field. And it's just 90 minutes of playing and then, and try not to even think about it at all. Just, you're, you're just focused on going out there and doing your job. Um, but after the game, and I think especially later on in life, you would look back on those moments. You're like, I was, I was one-on-one defending with the greatest soccer player of all time. You know, it's, it, this is something that, you know, when you tell your, when I tell my grandkids about, like, you weren't any good. It's like, yeah, I was up against, you know, the greatest of all. So you put the, put the bank for a later day. That's awesome, man. Well, we wish you nothing but the best, Kyle. You guys uh, got Austin FC up. Go kick their ass, please. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again real soon, my friend. Yeah, thanks, fellas. Congrats, Jamie, on the new job as well for the Blues. So that's exciting to hear. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate that. Good luck. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, that was Kyle Hebert from St. Louis City SC. God, I love Kyle. He's such a good dude, eh? That guy must be Canadian or something. <laughs> Man after your own heart. You, you you like those guys. I do. I do. Plus, he's a hell of a player, too. Yeah, he is. That always helps. Good job. That was it. Yeah. All right. That's Kerry Davis, Jamie Rivers here, Andrew Marsh. What's trending? Coming up next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Kerry Davis filling in for our guy, Anthony Stalter. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Gentlemen, what's trending is Mason Wynn. He is now with the Cardinals. He is batting ninth tonight. What are you expecting from Mason Wynn in his Major League debut? Well, anything uh, less than three for three or four for four with a home run and a couple mm. stolen bases. Yeah. I mean, anything apart from that is a failure. Uh, Let's be honest. I want to go at, at two for four. If he gets four at bats, uh, that means they probably got a lot of runs. Let's go two for three. Two for two for three. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't think I just wanted to get bats. a base hit tonight. Yeah. I, like, I like for him to crack the egg. Yeah. First game, get his base hit. I don't care how it happens. I mean, Jordan Walker was just a heat missile back up the middle. Yeah. Worm burner. Killed three worms <laughs> on the way out of the infield. <laughs> Didn't matter. He got his base got, hit. Got a, got a base hit. First one of the season. That was good for him. I, I also want to see Mason win play shortstop. I want to see this electric arm yes. go get one in the hole and throw a runner out that thinks he has an opportunity to get on first base. What do you think the conversation's like between Paul Goldschmidt and Mason Wynn when uh, it's a ground ball to Mason Wynn, like right away, like a hard yeah. at-bat, boom, he grabs it right yeah. away, and there's no need for 101 across the field, okay? <laughs> but the kid's all jacked up, mm-hmm. okay? And he throws 101 over to Paul Goldschmidt. Uh. 
Goldie's probably like, hey, 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 kid. Hey, hey, young man. I'd like to keep my face. <laughs> I'm a gold I'm, glover, but I'm I don't sure. necessarily need a bruised index finger and a thumb at the this, same time. This is probably true. Maybe that's why Luke and Baker is uh, playing first base tonight. Oh, they're sacrificing <laughs> Luke. <laughs> that's a great call. I never thought about that. Hey, you go out there and catch this damn ball. Oh. He's going to be jacked up. He's going to throw it 105 miles oh. per hour. Over well, he's used to it, though, too, there you because go. he's been playing in Memphis. Yeah. So. He, he, you Maybe. go catch yeah, but that, he's only throwing 100, 100, 101 down there. Yeah. It'll be 103 tonight. It's going to be smoking yeah. over. Oh. He's going to get it over. It's going to be so much adrenaline flowing <laughs> for your first game ever. Uh huh. Yeah, and he wants to show it. He wants to oh, show it. Of like, course, I show this off. If you got yeah. it, you want to flaunt it. <laughs> no question. You got oh, Rube to. Baker's going to have a catcher's uh, mascot yeah. at first base. Yeah, he better. He better. Kerry, <laughs> <laughs> I brought this up in the office. I saw a tweet saying that Taylor Swift has declined the 2024 Super Bowl halftime show. And one of the Swifties decided to chime in and said that this might sound crazy, but I think Taylor Swift is too big for the Super Bowl. I think that's insane. What are your thoughts? I, I was, I thought it was insane as well. I, I don't I disagree. Think. You don't, I don't disagree? Di- I don't disagree. Didn't Beyonce perform at the Super Bowl, or am I mistaken? She, I believe she did. I didn't Super did, Bowl 50, I believe. I, I'm certain that she did. You got Michael Jackson. Has, eh, come on, man. In a That's way, what I'm that, saying. Taylor Swift, are you She's Jamie? I, you will never, Taylor, <laughs> be bigger than Michael Jackson. I don't give a damn what you do. You can, sell sell, I, you can sell out every <laughs> arena in the world. Michael Jackson? Come on, man. Nah. Beyonce? I understand that Taylor's charging $3,500 per ticket. I get it. <laughs> Maybe that's why this Swifty feels like that she's the biggest star of all uh-huh. time because she's charging literally an arm and leg for you to watch her performance. I get it. But no. You, no way in hell. But you don't understand what I'm about to okay, say. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. I get you. Go ahead. No, I like, you, you know what? I liked your passion. I liked your conviction. I liked your intensity. Though. All right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. My point about it is her being too big is she probably wants too much money. You well, don't make any that, money doing a Super Bowl so halftime yeah, show so either. She, so again, so let's go back to that then. She doesn't need the promotion. She, She's okay. selling out cities three nights in a row. Beyonce didn't either. I know, but Taylor Swift, maybe she's different. Until, until Taylor Swift, until I see a video of people, hang, when I say people, I mean crowds of people standing outside of Taylor Swift's hotel window like mm-hmm. I've seen for Michael Jackson I don't want to hear about I'm too she's too big for anything but you're missing my point I understand I get it is she's in a massive world tour as it is yes. so she would have to take away time it would be downtime for her yeah so it'd be taking away downtime where she probably needs rest that's why she yeah. scheduled it yeah or it'll be right in the middle of the insanity She's going over to Europe. She's got to come back, and she's got a whole bunch of more U.S. dates. It's prob- The juice is probably not worth the squeeze for her. I, I can respect that. That's all I'm saying. But to the Taylor Swift fan that yeah. says she's too big for No, she's nonsense. not even that big. She's like 5'10". Yeah, exactly. Like, you know? Not, come on. Not that big. <laughs> Last thing here. The <laughs> kicker for the Browns, Cade York, was apparently sharing highlights of himself on Instagram last night during the Browns and Eagles game at halftime. When he kicked a field goal, he then reposted it to his Instagram story. He then went on to miss a field goal during the game twice and ended up deleting the post. Carrie and I were talking in the office about how insane athletes are getting at least nowadays where they're just they're, they're on their phones all the time and mm. Carrie you had a, a pretty interesting story it's a sickness man and I was telling Marcia that that there are I've been told that 
we get to work, when I say we former players, I'm a former player, when we get to work at 7 a.m., meeting starts 7, 7 a.m. to 7.30 will be special teams, 7.45 to maybe 8.30, 8.45 will be offensive meetings and defensive meetings, and then you would have your, your position meetings, so mm-hmm. running backs, receivers, whatever. They are allocating time for players to check their phones. Five to ten minute breaks in. It's incorporated in the meeting time so that they can go. They are these. uh, I I hate. I hate that I have gotten to this point where I say these young people. I I don't like it about myself, but I could not be more honest in my opinion of this. It's crazy. These damn young people. They can't go without their phone. And this man, you're in the middle of a game. And then you go out there and miss two field goals or two kicks. Guess what? You know what you're going to be posting in a minute? Mm. Job searches. Yes. Available. Kicker for hire. Uh, like this is the the nature of our business. If you don't perform, you don't have a job. You don't eat. So maybe lay back off of the social media and take care of your business. So here's a couple things. Couple thoughts. Okay. Um, I believe this to still be true, but in the NHL, when phones were coming in and even last couple of years, talk a couple of players, you can have your phone in the lounge, the trainer's room. Anyway, once you get into the locker room, there are no phones allowed. And certainly no phones allowed on the bench. Right. Okay. So, and intermissions, guys are not allowed to go check their phones and things like that. Uh, Now, I could be wrong. I, I haven't been in there in a year or two yeah. as far as to like to check on it. I will check. And if they have how, changed. How are you going to lose it if you see a player that is not giving great effort but is in. Like, I know you're going to internally. Coach? No, no, just oh, watching it. Oh, you're no, I'll not, say something. And just, just, are you I'll serious? say something. Are you, I will you, for sure. You, you, you didn't, you can't make a great pass or, or get yeah, back on defense. Don't but worry. They'll be there later. <laughs> like, relax. The phone will be there later. If I was a Cleveland Browns head coach, okay, um, here's what I would do. I'd walk in. I'd say, "Hey guys, here we're gonna we got some new technology that we're looking to try out. So some video stuff that we can send to your phones, and you can watch it while you're, you know, at, on the plane or this or that, the other. We, can, all, we have the iPads available and stuff like that. Mm. But now we're, we got this new app. We're gonna send to your phones. Everybody, get their phones, please. Bring them in the locker room. We have a small presentation coming up. Yeah. And everybody walks in. Everybody got their phones. Let me see. Everyone's got their phones. I'd walk over to the kicker. I'd say, okay, so here's how it works. Take his phone, and I'd smash it with a hammer <laughs> into freaking a thousand pieces. Stay off your phone. And then I'd take $900 out of my pocket and throw it at him and say, you can go buy a new phone now, but if I ever see you posting in the middle of a game again, I'm going to do that again, but it won't be the phone. <laughs> we did get a text. We did get a text. Yes. That's it. Yes. And now you don't have to talk to anybody else. They all saw what you did. Hey, this is true. We got I a text like from the 636 saying that's BS. It's his social media manager. Literally, Kevin Stefanski said it wasn't Cade York who posted it. Well, I'd still make an example. Sorry, Cade. Yeah, how about how about that tell is, your, that is tell a bad your, look though? Yeah, tell your tell your social media yeah. person don't post until post during game. a game. Yeah, right. Po- if a post, player uh, post game, I don't have a problem with a player in any sport. They have a big home run, uh, a touchdown run, a big catch, a nice goal, a good fight, whatever it yeah. is. Post game, they retweeted or reposted or whatever the hell they're doing these days. I'm fine with that. In the middle of a game, not no. happening. Your social no. media director, your mom, your dad, whatever, whoever's got access to your account, it'd be like, no, don't mm-hmm. don't touch my yeah. crap because you're gonna get me beat up. Yeah, by 
teammates or the coach. At, and looked at in a way where people are questioning what's important to you. Mm-hmm. And that's the worst thing. You, you, I don't, you, I'm sure you were the same way. I couldn't care less what anyone outside of that locker room thought about me. But if the men in that locker room thought I was one of the guys, then we <laughs> that's all that matters. Yep. I don't give a damn what nobody else said. Those guys think I'm that way, we good to go. And if they and the minute that they don't think you're one of the guys, now you got a real problem. Now you got a problem. <laughs> All right, that's what's trending. Marshy, thank you very much for helping out there. Uh, is Brendan Donovan more expendable than Tommy Edmond? We had this discussion yesterday a little bit, comparing the two, what value they have in different ways. We're going to get into that next here on the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back inside the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers with you. Our guy, Kerry Davis, in for Anthony Stalter. Andrew Marsh on the dials. And boys, uh, Cardinal Nation, I mean, they love social media. They love it. They love Twitter slash X slash whatever the hell it is whatever now. Whatever it is now. Huh. Yeah. And last night, Cardinals live on Twitter. Hot take. I got to preface this with hot take. <laughs> Brendan Donovan is more expendable than Tommy Edmond. Win Gorman and and kids coming up. Edmonds' ability to switch and play center field, second base, and shortstop make him the ultimate insurance card going into 2024 for mm-hmm. the Cardinals. Uh, with a rookie shortstop and a second baseman right now with, with back issues, but still one hell of a second baseman, mm-hmm. having a pretty good year, Nolan Gorman. Uh, is there any truth to this? Do you think Brendan Donovan's more expendable than Tommy Edmonds? Because, Marshy, you had a take yesterday. Marshy's take was that Brendan Donovan, you know, he walks on water. Mm-hmm. Nobody can touch him. He's the best utility player ever in baseball. Ever? I believe he said that. <laughs> I don't remember saying that at all, but sure. It was a version of it. Anyways, something like that. Something like that. So okay. It's what I remember and what you said. Yeah. Two different things. <laughs> what I matter. didn't say and what you didn't hear. <laughs> yeah. but... but you did say that you felt like Brendan Donovan was more valuable than Tommy Edmond. Sure. Did you not? I think that might have been Tanner. Okay. Well, T-Bone said it. We were talking about Tommy Edmonds' role, though, moving forward. Mm-hmm. And that did come up. I mean, Brendan Donovan, here's the thing. They, they play two different positions. Um, well, they in play the every position. Well, they yeah, do. They, they play all they positions. They do. But when you're looking at second base and shortstop, I think Tommy Edmond, with Mason Wynn being a rookie shortstop heading into next year, we don't know exactly what we're going to get out of him. So if you get rid of Tommy Edmond, let's say, in a, in a trade— Right, who's your who's that insurance? So if you had to get rid of one Taylor of them, Motter. Taylor Motter, maybe, maybe I don't know. I mean, no, I get it, buddy. I get but it. But it it is. I mean, I personally, I'd rather keep both of them. But if you had to move on from one of them, I, I guess for for defensive purposes, maybe Tommy Edmond. I do love Brendan Donovan's bat, though. So it's definitely a, a toss up, and it's a tough question to to answer. For me, I think that. Prior to, obviously, the surgery for for Brendan Donovan, I thought he would be one of the guys that come trade deadline, the way that he was playing, that he would be highly sought after. Him, you know, obviously Paul DeYoung because of his contract. But I thought Brendan Donovan, and even looking into free agency slash offseason, what's going to take place if they decide to move some people, two of the names that I think that continue to come up for other teams that the Cardinals need a starting pitcher, if they need that ace, Brendan Donovan is going to be on that list. Nolan Gorman is going to be on that list, which puts you in a position. If you lose two of those guys or one of those guys, um, 
then you're you're going to have to have Tommy Edmond at second base, which is not bad. It's pretty good for the Cardinals. Not bad to have a gold glover not, playing not, not second base. Playing the position that he got a gold glove in. I, I personally think that's pretty smart. But what the hell do I know? But, I, again, I think Brendan Donovan's – I don't know if he's more valuable than Tommy Edmond or vice versa. I think they are both have their own value in their own way. Um, and depending on what you need for that specific team, what do the Cardinals need right now? Do they need Brendan Donovan's bat in this lineup? Do they need his glove every day in this lineup? I would say for this team, you probably need Tommy Edmond and what he brings more than what Brendan Donovan needs, which it can be a good thing because other teams may need someone like Brendan Donovan if you were to trade him uh, in the offseason. So the way I look at it, guys, is I look at Tommy Edmond, um, Tommy Edmond and Brendan Donovan is non-fraternal twins. Okay. And the reason the I same. The, the same, but they're different. <laughs> right. Okay, I have non-fraternal twin boys uh-huh. that are 19 years old. Uh, one of them is six foot five; the other one's five foot eleven. So that they they were both they're, they're twins. Right. I know they came out at the same time. I was there, <laughs> hopefully for both events. But um, when I look at these two guys, they perform almost the exact same duties for the team, yeah. but just slight differences. Yes. So the OBP for Donovan much better. I, I shouldn't say much, better than Tommy Edmond. Mm-hmm. He's got a little more pop than yep. Tommy Edmond, at least this year he has. Uh, but when you look at Tommy Edmond, he's got gold glove second baseman, uh, could probably be uh, in consideration for a gold glove if he played center field all the time. Yeah. He was in the running for a gold glove at shortstop. So these, and, and Brendan Donovan, mind you, he got a gold glove as a utility Correct. player. So they're the same, but they're different. Yeah. So I don't know which one's more expendable than the other. I, I just don't know. If you're looking to lock it down defensively and moving into next season, where you've got Mason Wynn probably as your starting shortstop, mm-hmm. you're going to need to lock down center field. And so far, nobody has taken that and run with it. Right. The, your best center fielder has been Tommy Edmond. Yes, he has. He he's the he's the quickest to the ball. He's got the he doesn't have the strongest throwing arm. No. But I, I told Randy and Brooke yesterday or, or the day before, it doesn't matter if you hit the cutoff man that throws at 101 miles per so hour. So who's the cutoff man? Mason, Mason Wynn. Wynn. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so, imagine that. Hey Mason, every time I said to Tommy, you run out you close to him. It. You just run out close you're to him. You're fast enough and your uh-huh. arm is strong enough, make it happen. And so that to me, again, that's what you're talking about. One is better, I think, with the bat. Has a little bit more pop in Brendan Donovan. But when you're talking about fielding and whether or not he's at second base, I think it all depends on what's going on in the outfield. Is Tyler O'Neill here next year? Is Dylan Carlson here next year? We don't know. They're off. A lot of action, man. It's going to be some things taking place. So if they are not, and you want to put Tommy Edmond in center field, if Nolan Gorman, I don't know how you feel. Back injuries concern me. Because a back injury is is hit or miss. I, I was having back issues, and I had a doctor tell me, hey, you don't want – the doctor told me you don't want back surgery. No. I said, why? He said, it's 50-50. Uh-huh. Either you're going to be good or you're going to be bad. And I don't know which one it is. I can't tell you. Yeah. So avoid back surgery if you can, by all means. And so whenever, whenever I hear back issues, back hurting – that concerns me for Nolan Gorman at, as your everyday second baseman. And so now you got to figure out, is he healthy? Mm-hmm. Is, is, does Brendan Donovan come back healthy from this elbow surgery? What are we going to do in the infield at that second base position? And what are we going to do in the outfield for center field? you got more questions now than you have answers. And so it, it's, it's a lot to be, to, to be learned and, and figured out here uh, in the next few months after the Cardinals season ends. For me, I keep them both. 
For okay. me, I keep them both going into next season, and quite honestly, Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson become expendable okay. to me because Dylan Carlson's playing in the outfield or center field, wherever, yep. and, and Tommy Edmond can play center field, and Brendan Donovan can play in the outfield. Yes. So you don't necessarily need Dylan Carlson. You don't necessarily need Tyler O'Neill. So if you're going to go acquire pitching and you're looking to deal guys, especially with team control left, I think Dylan Carlson's your candidate to be up there on the trade block. You need Tyler O'Neill to play well, continue to play well, not, not miss games. Not have sore knees. Yeah, no, we don't want that. Poor, that, guy. That. poor guy. That turf is mean. It's mean, Kerry. By the way, from the 314, T-Bone, also known as the Tan Man, was the one that said there is no starting spot for Tommy Edmond next year. Yeah. Whoa. He, he's a grumpy old man. Really? In a young man's body. He is, isn't he? Yeah. Because That's everyone intriguing. forgot his birthday. By the way, happy birthday to the tan man today. He turns uh, 17. No, <laughs> 22. <laughs> All right. I think CD, he's 23. We got you for two more segments. One of them's going to be the gauntlet, but I want to get one more NFL segment in. Uh, and what I want to know is what, what, what quarterback will take a step forward next year and what quarterback will take a step backwards? Ooh. We'll find out next here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back inside the Fast Lane. Jimmy Rivers here. My guy, Kerry Davis, helping oh, out man. today. Uh, Andrew Marsh. Kerry's got the giggles. You know, uh, I may or may not have said something in the break. Just never know around here. All right, CD. NFL time here. Which quarterback? Now, we all got our horses here. We all picked yeah. like two guys. But which quarterback do you think will take a step forward? Which one will take a step back? Let's start with a step forward. Okay, so I'm going to go my first quarterback that I'm going to go with. And people may say it's a homer pick, and it is. It's Kenny Pickett. Oh, that's a homer For the pick. Pittsburgh State, it is. It definitely is. Kenny you know, there Pickett. are other teams in the league. Okay? Not really, though. <laughs> <laughs> are there? There's only one that really matters. So uh, let's go with that. All right, The I Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenny Pickett. Going into his second year. Really? Uh, yeah, What man. makes you believe that? This is an offense. First of all, let's start with the defense. The defense is going to be outstanding, in my opinion. They have been Minka Fitzpatrick on the back end, Cam Hayward, uh, you know, and, and T.J. Watt doing their thing up front. Alex Highsmith has been very good, got paid a nice, sizable contract in the offseason. I think that defense is going to be good. And what you need when you have a, a young quarterback, you got to have a good defense. They have Young that. quarterbacks need a good D. They need a good D. <laughs> they do. <laughs> it helps. Uh, they Always. have a good defense. And then he has a good running game, Najee Harris. But I am excited about this receiving core with George Pickens, Deontay Johnson. Calvin Austin is a little person that runs really fast. And so I think they're going to be really good in that position. You always want to have a really good tight end. They have one in Pat Fryermuth. And so I'm thinking that Kenny Pickett going into this year is going to take a step forward. Now, the only concern that I have had for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense over the past few years is one Matt Canada. Does he open up the offense oh, yeah. and allow them to actually play football. I actually couldn't believe they kept him. It makes me want to puke at times. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. Like, watching it, it's like, bro, what are we doing? What is all... It's it's all these short routes, underneath routes, drags, unders. Bro, 
Find someone in the middle of the field, down the field. Throw me a dig one time. Throw me something other than third and eight, and I'm going to run Deontay Johnson on a shallow. I, I don't want to see that now, anymore. Do you think he does it that way? because he's unwilling to expand the playbook, or is he playing to his quarterback in his offense? Well, he did it the year before, so okay. it's, that's right. who he is. All right. And so we and, – and and with you, I was surprised as well that he re, was retained. And so maybe there's something there where they're going to actually expand the offense, get Najee Harris running downhill. I, I absolutely hate when you got running backs that are – good running north and south and you put them in shotgun and you want to run laterally hey man get under center hand that ball off to him and get the hell out of the way he's going to do his thing so that's my one of my picks for taking a step forward for next season all right marshy what's who's your guy I think guy. this guy, he, he can only make a step forward, and he has a great coach that uh, has entered into the oh, fold. It's uh, the guy who's doing high knees oh, on the airplane, no. doing subway commercials. No. Russell Wilson, he has to have a step forward. So I put oh, Russell Wilson wrong. as my, my number one guy. Uh, I do think with Sean Payton being there, I mean, guys, it can't get any worse. And, of course, he has had a ton of success Dude. with smaller quarterbacks. Obviously, Drew Brees. Yeah. I think that Russell Wilson will take a step forward. Now, will that step forward be a giant leap? Mm. It can't get any for, worse, Marshy. For so. Russell Wilson's health and safety to keep him safe from his defensive side of the football, I hope you're right. Yes. Because somebody on that defense is going to strangle him. <laughs> they gave up 17 points a game, and they were not winning football games. The, 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 the run-in he had with the D-tackle on the way off the field and on the field, mm-hmm. hey, hey, someone's going to harm him on that defensive side of the ball I'm okay if he with don't it. get it together. I'm okay with it. <laughs> it's going to be some bad times in Denver. <laughs> All right, my first one is Mac Jones. I look at Mac Jones, and look, uh, not great for the whole season last year, but here's why I think he'll take a step forward. He actually has an offensive coordinator. Yeah, that helps. And a guy that has worked with Bill Belichick before, a guy that had success with Bill Belichick with a quarterback similar to Mac Jones. Now that guy was Tom Brady. I said similar. I didn't say identical. But Mac Jones is kind of that stand-in-the-pocket guy, get the ball out of his hand, find him, get him some receivers open, so I think that Mac Jones will take at, at least a couple of steps forward uh, next year with the Patriots. The only issue I have, I think Mac Jones could be really good. I don't know who he's going to throw the ball to. I know. That's the, the I mean, as a, as a quarterback, you got to <laughs> get guys that, that can get open, yeah. can, can create separation. I don't know if he has those elite receivers outside. I don't know if the Patriots have had that since Randy Moss. Well, That's yeah, but they've made do, right? Like Bill Belichick. Have. See, this is the problem with the Patriots. I'm a Patriots fan. Okay. Here's the problem with the Patriots is Bill Belichick and the offensive coordinators have always been able to take scotch tape and fix the problem. Yes. And the scotch tape has turned out to be really good. Mm-hmm. Julian it's Edelman. Like that Danny tape. Amendola. Yeah. I mean, you pick your no-name guy. And Wes, they, they, they Wes, Welker. Wes Welker. Like, yeah. you pick your guy, and they've made it work. They've yeah. turned these guys yeah. into stars. Yeah. So I don't think they're those guys are in the lineup this mm-hmm. year. Like, they don't have those types of right. players, but you never know. That's mm-hmm. where I'm hanging my hat on. You're going to have to do something. All right, we got time. We don't have time for another one. Take a step forward. Let's take a. Let's find one quarterback who's going to mm-hmm. take a step back. Kirk Cousins. Oh, damn it! <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I broke my pen. I can't even. This could, no! You couldn't have planned that any better. I was going to do it to him. Marsh is a huge Vikings fan. I was going to do it to you. I can't, this is... This day is the best day ever now. Go ahead, tell us why, CD. I mean, listen, you you 
he's got obviously he still has Justin Jefferson there, right? He's going to throw the ball to him every single time if need be. But the fact that you allowed Dalvin Cook to walk out of the door, that is your bell cow. That is the guy who had he played every game last year for the first time, I think, in his career. He is a four-time pro bowler. He has done a fantastic job. The thing that a great quarterback or even a good quarterback needs is a solid running game. I really like Alexander Madison. I really don't think that he's Dalvin Cook ever. No. And so not yet. I think that they're going to take a step back offensively. Um, you know, I, Jordan Addison, I think he can be really good, but you're going to have your receiver, rookie receiver woes at times. So I, that's the one that I think may take a step back. They won a lot of games closely last year. Those games, you flip some of those games, they're going to have a rough season if that happens. He also has TJ Hawkinson as well. He does. Who will be a safety blanket, in my opinion. I think if the Vikings are to two, take a step back. Kirk Cousins, his, his numbers are fairly similar every single year. Even the yeah. year before under Mike Zimmer when their team wasn't all that great. His numbers are, are pretty good. He doesn't really turn the ball over all too much. The problem with that team is their defense. So could he take a step back in terms of trying to keep their team in the game? I could totally see see that. My my pick, I think it's the easy pick, Daniel Jones. Yeah. Oh, that's, what, that's what I had written down right here. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. The guy... Daniel Jones. There it is. Old DJ, Danny Dimes. <laughs> yeah, I just... I don't know, man. This guy... He was running around all last year, and he made some good plays, and obviously they made the the playoffs. They beat my Vikings in the playoffs, but I I just can't see him replicating that. Maybe he does, but he's my guy to take a step back. I think that division is, it's in my opinion, you have two solid teams in there. Say whatever you want about the Cowboys. I'm not a big Cowboys fan myself, but I just can't see him taking down Dak Prescott, and and especially that defense in, in Dallas, so... Um, I think he takes a step back. Well, I had Daniel Jones on there. I also had Dak Prescott. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't – this guy, the expectations are always so high, so high, so high for this guy, yet he never quite gets there. And Mike McCarthy, I don't know what they're doing, if he's going to be calling the plays or not, or if he's deferring again. I just don't see Dak Prescott having a great year for the Cowboys. I feel like they're going to be – it's going to be truculent the whole way for them yeah. this year. All right. We uh, need a new contestant for the gauntlet here, so please text in 314-399-9646. Kerry Davis is going to stick around for the gauntlet. We got that coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. Welcome back inside the gauntlet. It's a fast lane here on 101 ESPN. We head out uh, to our celebrity line. We'll call it that, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. Why not? Welcome in Paul to the gauntlet. Paul, how you doing, buddy? Doing just fine. I'm waiting to pull that jersey over Riv's head and start punching. Oh, wow. Whoa. Well, one, Whoa. You be- one, you better get in line because I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to do that. <laughs> Two, you better pack a lunch, my friend. Uh, All right. Are you coming after yeah. me today, Paul? Uh, you know what? Riv, this is go for you right now. Wow. Whoa. This is a man that knows what he wants. All yeah. right. I've had this happen before. and How did it go for them? Not very good uh, for the other person, <laughs> especially if it's hockey. Uh, All right, Polly. Good luck, my friend. All right. Paul, you know the deal. You tell me to spin the wheel, we'll get this thing going. 
Why she spin that wheel? All right, Paul, is there a certain category that you want? I'll take baseball. You want baseball? Yes, sir. All right, let's see. It is not baseball. Is there one category that you don't want going up against Jamie? <laughs> well, it's probably hockey then, isn't it? Yeah. It's not hockey, though. Today, it's football. It's football. So I'm going to give Carrie the launch codes. By the way, this is Carrie's first time in the gauntlet. It is. Of course, you do the fight in the morning with Randy. Yes. Yes, I did. I did do the fight with Randy before. Oh, you? Oh, okay, you Paul, be. you did the fight. Ah, very nice. How did that go? Give me one nothing. One nothing. Ooh. All right, let's see if you have uh, any more luck right here in the gauntlet. Let's start with question number one. Which college football team has the highest total of wins in FBS history? Hmm. Give me the options. Options are Ohio State, pardon me, the Ohio State, Alabama, or Michigan? Wow. Either Ohio State or Michigan. Oh, go with D, Ohio State. All right, final answer? Yes, sir. All right, Paul. Jerry Rice played a total of 16 seasons with the San Francisco 49ers, four seasons with the Oakland Raiders, and one season with which other team? I was hoping you were going to ask me what other team, not third team. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Options. Is it the Buffalo Bills, the Seattle Seahawks, or the Philadelphia Eagles? Wow. Oh, just go to the Seahawks. Final answer? Yes, sir. All right, question number three. Who is the MVP of the most recent Super Bowl? Patrick Mahomes. Final answer? Final answer. All right, question number four. Who led the Dolphins with eight receiving touchdowns last season? Oh. Option. Is it Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, or Mike Gusecki? All right, let's bring Jamie back in here, who is absolutely not paying attention. There he is. <laughs> there he is. There he is. How you feeling today? You feel good about that, uh, that gauntlet, Paul? Yeah, you know what? I think it's going to be a battle. Punch it back and forth. We'll see who goes down first. All right. <laughs> Jamie, are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go. By the way, for our uh, Fastlane listeners, we got Josh Outman coming up next here. He's going to be taking over for Kerry yep. Davis, former major league pitcher, uh, St. Louis-born kid. We were just kind of catching up a little bit. He's already got some good stories cool. to tell, so I'm looking forward to that. All, All right, right, let's Jamie, go, baby. Category is football today. I love football. Do Kerry. you? I love it. <laughs> you better Not pack just lunch. the CFL either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number one. Which college football team has the highest total of wins in FBS history? Oh, my God. 
<laughs> college football is my jam for sure. Um, in FBS history, well, that's some BS. I'll tell you that yeah. much. Give me the options, please. Options are the Ohio State, of course. Alabama, of course. Michigan, of course. Oh my God, the most wins. Like I want to say Alabama right away, but I feel like that's the the shiny lure I shouldn't bite. Hmm. Ohio, the Ohio State, Michigan. I don't feel like Michigan, although who's had more staying power here? You know what? I'm going with the outlier. I'm going to go Michigan. Final answer. All right, question number two. Jerry Rice played a total of 16 seasons with the San Francisco 49ers, four with the Oakland Raiders, and one with which other team? Oh, my God. (laughs) Denver Broncos? Uh, I remember there's. I remember seeing him in a jersey that you're like, he actually played there. Options, please. Is it the Buffalo Bills, the Seattle Seahawks, or the Philadelphia Eagles? Seattle Seahawks. Final answer. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Question number three: Who was the MVP of the most recent Super Bowl? Patrick Mahomes. Final answer. Question number four. Who led the Dolphins with eight receiving touchdowns last season? (laughs) It's one of two. It's one of two. I want to say Tyreek. Everybody wants to say Tyreek. It's probably not Tyreek. What's the other guy? Waddle? Son of a. All right, hang on. Let me think about this for a second. We had a question. We had something we were talking about the other day. I know that was DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. <laughs> nice try on that one. Tyreek. I think Tyreek had eight touchdowns. When in doubt, just go with the obvious. Tyreek Hill, final answer. Alrighty. All right, let's go over these questions. Let's... Hey guys, I got to tell you something. I'm not feeling great. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll see how it goes. All right. Let's start with question number two. Jerry Rice played a total of 16 seasons with the San Francisco 49ers, four seasons with the Oakland Raiders, and one season with which other team? Paul, you said the Seahawks. Jamie, you said the Seahawks. The correct answer is? The Seattle Seahawks. But... (laughs) You guys both needed the options. We're tied at one. (laughs) Question number three. Ah, Paul likes that. Who was the MVP of the most recent Super Bowl? You both said Patrick Mahomes. The correct answer is Patrick Mahomes. You guys both did not need the options. We're all tied at three. Question (laughs) number four. Who led the Dolphins with eight receiving touchdowns last season? Paul, you said Tyreek Hill. Oh, my. But you used the options. Jamie, you also said Tyreek Hill, but did not use the options. The correct answer is... Jalen Waddle. (laughs) (laughs) So we are all tied at three, and it comes down to this. Why? Go ahead. Question number one. Which college football team has the highest total of wins in FBS history? You two both needed the options. 
Paul, you went with the Ohio State University. Jamie, <laughs> Probably is them. They using beat the Michigan options. every damn time. You said Michigan, Jamie. The uh, and from you, both of you using the options, we know that Alabama is an option. If it's Ohio State, Paul wins. If it's Michigan, Jamie wins. And if it's Alabama, we have ourselves a walk-off. Carrie, the correct answer is... Michigan. No! <laughs> Go over You have chosen poorly. You lose! <laughs> Paul, what a battle, buddy. It was one of those two. <laughs> I honestly, my thought process was... Not who's had the most recent success, but like staying power yeah. of like always kind of being mm-hmm. in the conversation. Bit of a guess on that one for sure. But Paul, man, yeah. really appreciate you listening. Really appreciate you playing. Oh, every day, guys. I'm out here driving, delivering for uh, Amazon, and I'm just out here listening to you guys. Yeah, right. I listen to you guys in the morning, starting oh. at eight, or, you know seven o'clock. I appreciate it. So good luck, guys. We'll see you next time. Hey, good job. Right, have Paul. a great weekend, man. You too. All right. Got good the victory. Winning. Football has been very good to me recently. <laughs> I've had a good streak of, of winning with football. The that Jerry, waddle one, son of yeah, a... Yeah. And Jerry you, Rice, I couldn't place it. So we played Jerry Rice when he was in Seattle his last year, when I was with the Falcons. That's and one cool. of my friends, we were rookies together. We grew up in St. Louis, played together our whole lives. He called his dad. He was so excited. Dad, I locked up Jerry Rice. I got to play him. Son, Jerry's 45 years old. Nobody cares. So, when I'm 45, I get to tell my kids I played against Jerry Rice. Jamie, you're now 10 and 8 in football. See? Above 500, Good baby. Job. Cardinals would take that. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. I didn't need to sideswipe I did not need to <laughs> do that. You didn't need to. All right, Kerry Davis, my friend, thank you so much for coming appreciate in today. It. It's been a blast, man. It has been. Really appreciate you coming on. Have a great weekend. Thank you, sir. You too. Marshy. Absolutely, Carrie. It's been a pleasure. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to dive into some baseball, but we're going to get to know our new guy, Josh Outman. That's next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We got a guy coming on here tomorrow to come in, I guess, out of the bullpen, we'll say. Josh Outman is joining us for a couple hours tomorrow. I know you guys were in the A's organization together. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about Josh? What can we expect from this guy? Has he got some personality or what? (laughs) I haven't talked to Josh in a long time. I mean, I guess that was probably 2009. (laughs) He had the high socks. I remember he was, uh, he had some personality. He's a left-handed pitcher. There's probably some quirkiness and some left-hand pitcher to him. Do you remember he had the high socks with the high stirrups? and threw pretty hard. Outman blows away at 96 miles an hour. Right back to Josh Outman. Grabs it. Side retired. The pitch there by Outman. He gets Reddick. And a good slider. And he gets the strikeout. So Outman strikes out three. Twang and a miss. Big pitch by Josh Outman. It's a fast lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers here, Andrew Marsh, and we've got a first-time guest who's going to join us here today, a former Major League Baseball pitcher, St. Louis-born, and I believe still lives here in St. Louis, Josh Eltman. Josh, welcome, buddy. Thanks, Jamie. It's good to be here. It's uh, good to hear a couple of highlights from the old days, <laughs> like when I was young and everything worked. So, okay, so let's dive into your career a little bit here. Um, now, where did you... The St. Louis question. Where'd yeah. you go to high school? Yeah. So yeah, it's a true St. Louis question. I was a Lindbergh graduate. 
uh, back in 2002. Uh, and then I went to Forest Park Community College. Uh, I don't think they have a program anymore, but then I went to uh, Central Missouri State as a fighting mule for one year and drafted by the Phillies in 2005. Uh, I spent my first few seasons with them, learning uh, learning how to play the game at the professional level, developing from a, a you know a young guy that just threw the ball to turning into a pitcher, and that got me traded. <laughs> Congratulations! <You're laughs> Don't done. worry, I got traded a lot yeah. too. So that got me traded to Oakland, which you know was a great situation for me. They uh, had a kind of a down year that that year, and I was the only pitcher they got back. Um, in the trade for, we got three minor leaguers for Joe Blanton. He went on to win a World Series that year with Philadelphia, so it came out good for everyone. I got my first taste of the major leagues in September of '08, and uh, Joe got a World Series ring, so it's all even. And um, you know, from there, I, I guess I, I think '09, I made the rotation out of spring training. Uh, had a good half, blew out my elbow. I uh, had Tommy John surgery. Took a year and a half to come back. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, it was a it was an interesting rehab process, but I, I made it back up in 2011. Um, wasn't quite the same as I was before, uh, but I I had a I had a, a solid, I guess probably a half. I think I made 12 starts, maybe 12 starts, and a few relief appearances in 2011 on uh, that. Um, again, was good enough to get me traded. Uh, so I went. <laughs> I like the way he says that. <laughs> <laughs> so I went. I went from uh, yeah from Oakland in 2011. The off season, I went to Colorado. Um, pitched there for two years, start and relief. Had a really bad 2012. Um, came back in 2013, full time reliever. Had a, had a I thought a, a very strong showing. Uh, which got me flipped again, um, and I went to Cleveland. Had a good half. Uh, they were going through some changeover. I got sent down, spent a while in AAA, uh, and then I got traded to the New York Yankees. Um, went up with them, and the end of the season it was Derek Jeter's last year. Oh wow! So that was that's, a really awesome. cool experience. Yeah. Um, to go and 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 be in that clubhouse, and and that was really you know they were they were really wrapping up the farewell tour so to go to all these these places where i'd been with smaller smaller to mid-market teams um that were not in the division to going there with the yankees uh and and to see camden yards packed to the gills was was awesome um tampa was packed and you know just you can't say enough about Derek jeter he's class act all the way around i don't think You'll ever find anyone say anything bad about him. Treated everyone the same, even a guy like me who just showed up out of nowhere. And well, that's what oh, you can tell a guy's yeah. a quality guy too. When like yeah. from the top of the food chain all the mm-hmm. way down to locker room attendants and things like that, they treat him the same way. Yeah, and he loved college football. He came in, hey, hey. Josh, who's your college team? I don't think you heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see yeah. you, baby. Yeah. yeah, they're an FCS school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but you know that was an amazing experience. I ended up a free agent after that season, signed with Atlanta, uh, and in 2015 I had uh, thoracic outlet surgery. Um, it's the same thing as what Chris Carpenter had, okay, uh, except a slightly different version. His was uh, he had nerve 
issues. I just had vascular problems, so it wasn't as bad as what he went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that effectively ended my career. I, I, I was too hard-headed to know when it was done. Yeah, aren't we all? Uh, yeah. So yeah, we were I, having I, that conversation I, earlier. 100%. So I, st- I stuck around. I actually went and played independent ball, um, actually made it back into AAA with Pittsburgh. Um, they... You know, towards the end of the season, they released me. That AAA team was about thirty games out, so you know, yeah. where, where do we where do we cut the fat? And uh, I went and played winter ball in the Dominican. Came back, signed with the Nationals. Never made it out of spring training with them. And then I played in Mexico for parts of three seasons. The Flama Blanca. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I called my wife's old car. She had, <laughs> she had a white 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 SUV. We call it La Flama Blanca. <laughs> I uh, just went down there to try and get my pitch back, you know, and uh, but you know, I, and Mexico was awesome. I loved it down there. They they had a lot of fun playing the game. Uh, the fans were always great. It was very soccer style. Oh yeah, rowdy. You know? And um, you know, just just the uh, the whole experience was a lot of fun. It wasn't uh, it wasn't the same. It's a different. Well, yeah, it's it's really course. a different type of. It's a different style of gameplay and that that was an adjustment but you know mexico was awesome uh i i loved it and you know then i came home after i think 2019 and that was that's it that's the last time that- and it, yeah so now i, I keep it's good my career self, buddy yeah so now i keep myself busy with uh i'm playing a men's league and have fun with that and yeah get to get to relive the glory days every now and then <laughs> now who was your first start against which team was it so my first, like your first uh, your first ever time out on the bump at the major league level. What team were you playing against? Uh, I was playing against actually Kansas City. Okay. Uh, so we came in um, two teams that were way out of it in 2008. I think there was you know maybe 65 people in the stands. Kauffman Stadium was under construction. 35 of those people were my family and friends. <laughs> and, I've had uh, those days too. And made uh, you know I I came in out of the bullpen and threw two good innings and. You know, then almost you know, collapsed from being nervous after the fact that it had just happened. But of course, it was uh, it was it was cool. Just that I was that close to home, making my debut, uh, and going to Central Missouri State. That was who was on TV when you you watch a ball game. You were watching the the Royals, so it was it was a it was just a cool experience because you know growing up, I never had any thought that that's where I'd end up. You know that I would I would make it you know it was like i had one college offer to go to forest park um the the manager there came to see uh a different pitcher came came to a a high school game Mm -hmm. to see a different pitcher saw me and you know the other guy was a senior i was a junior and and so he was already going to that school he just wanted to watch him pitch Mm -hmm. and so took a flyer on me and, and I, you know, did all right. And then I ended up following him to Central Missouri State and he had all kind of connections. So he we had, you know, for a division 2 school in the middle of nowhere in Missouri, there was all kinds of scouts at our games. It was it was really pretty fortunate the way it worked out. Yeah, it's crazy. I tell a lot of young kids, I still do a lot of coaching uh, with youth hockey here in St. Louis, and they talk about you know wanting to go to college and and moving their career. I'm like, guys, listen, you never know who's watching. Doesn't matter if they're there to watch you or somebody else. Show up and play every game. Like mm-hmm. the stands are filled with scouts. 
because you just don't know who's there that can, you know, one day just pick you up and be like, okay, I didn't expect this. It's kind of like your situation. Yeah. Guys there to watch a player that they currently have under commitment or whatever, you pitch well and all of a sudden now you're on the radar. Yeah. So that's why it's so important to go out there and, and you work your ass off every day. Yeah, and generally just the way you conduct yourself. I mean, guys, you know, before the game, you're you're getting ready to to compete or you're goofing off. You know, there everyone any college scout or college coach is is watching that kind of stuff too. Like, does this kid, you know, know that you know know that people are watching or does he does he want to win or does, does he care? Does he care? Yeah. Or does he just want to? You know, spit sunflower seeds and 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 what play, look play with part. yeah, play yeah. with bubble, bubble gum and mm-hmm. put too much eye black on. <laughs> All right, that's our guy Josh Outman joining us. He's going to be with us the rest of the way. Uh, we're going to dive into uh, some pitching stuff here. How the Cardinals handle the development of their young pitchers. I'm anxious to get your take on some of these things as well. That's coming up next here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What it is, you don't care what the velocity is. If velocity drops a couple miles an hour, what's that mean? You can't pitch or get anybody out? That's a bunch of crap. What it is is that whatever you're working with on the, in that particular inning and whatever you're throwing, we're talking about location. We're talking about you get a hitter out with stuff, movement, change of speeds, location, and motion. Those are all a lot of things that you get a guy out with. But what, what are you going to do? You're going to go into panic mode if he loses two miles an hour off his fastball? Who cares? If he's locating, it don't matter. Oh, that was our guy, Leo Mazzoni, fast lane favorite. Uh, he was on with us yesterday, and uh, – He's a, he's a gem. So once again, welcome inside the Fastlane 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers here, Andrew Marsh, Josh Outman joining us today for the rest of the show. All right, so Josh, you heard our guy Leo Mazzoni, old school to say the least. Yeah, okay? definitely. What's your thoughts on Velo? Like, because you're a guy that was out there on the bump, and you're humming it in there. What was your average Velo when, when things were going perfect for you? When things were going good, I was mid upper nineties. Okay, um, so you you threw the damn heat then. Yeah, and you know my command wasn't the greatest at times. <laughs> um, That's all right. But actually, after I had the thoracic outlet surgery, my my velocity never came back. But I figured out that I could still pitch and get outs with with command. Okay, you know, so I, what I, Leo's saying, yeah. it, it's like he's right on this one. Yeah. So then, I, why are so many pitchers these days? Worried about the velo. Now, I know it's important to have the high end stuff. You know, you got to be able to put it past a guy every now and then. But wouldn't the command and the location of the pitches be more important? I think it's just, it, yeah, it, it plays an advantage if you can if you can really throw hard. You know, there's a there there's a fraction of a second for a hitter to react. But you know, you look at a a guy like uh, I'm trying to think Kyle Hendricks uh, with he's I think he's still with the Cubs. The professor, yeah. yeah, yeah. He doesn't he doesn't throw hard, but he he puts the ball down where it's supposed to be, down low in the zone. He changes speeds. He moves eye levels. You know, there are there are guys. One of the guys that I I learned as much from as anyone was Jamie Moyer, and you know him and I couldn't have been anything, you know, any more different as far as pitchers. But he'd say, "Watch how I I break a bat." 
you know, he threw 81 miles an hour and he'd get on guys' hands. Uh, you know, and what Leo said, just disrupting the timing, changing speeds, changing locations, moving eye levels, you know, moving a guy's feet every now and then if he had to, you know, that that's all part of effective pitching, you know, even, you know, now there's, uh, I think maybe guys are afraid to come inside or they just don't, there's, you know, and that's not to say pitchers don't pitch inside anymore because I know they do, but you know, the, the knockdown used to be a big part of, part of a, a pitcher strategy, you know, guys taking a couple of good, really good swings on your, on your fastball, your stuff, you, you got to move him, you know. Not to say you you, you don't you don't want to hit him, obviously. No, just buzz but, the but tower a little buzz bit. the tower, and, <laughs> you know. And you think, well, maybe maybe I don't want to get so comfortable in the in the in the batter's box, and you know, it, it, pitching's an art form. You 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 have to you have to have some finesse when you do it. It can't just be power all all the time. There, there's very few guys that, from the beginning to the end of their career, could just be a power pitcher you know and uh you look at cc sabathia as a good example when he came up he threw 100 miles an hour from the left side and obviously plus plus stuff by the end of his career he was throwing 87 he was still getting major league hitters out he developed a couple new wrinkles to some of his pitches he he changed the way the way he attacked a little bit but you know if you go out there and and I don't have great stuff today. Well, you're not going to have great stuff every day. If you, you you stay healthy through a season, which I don't I don't really know anything about as a starter. <laughs> uh, but if you stay stay healthy, I think what 32 starts in a season, you have five or six where you have all your best stuff. You're going to have five or six that are total clunkers. You know what do you do with that that middle of the road? Uh, you know figuring out how to how to win ball games. That's you know that's that's the art form of it. How do, how do you how do you put your team in a, a position to win even if you can't throw the throw the heat every time? So then when you're developing these young pitchers and and it's just kind of picking your brain because I'm always fascinated with pitching. It's such a, a game of chess up there for the most part. When you're when you're developing young pitchers and the craze is all velo, velo, velo. Who can hit 100? Who can get? Who can average mm-hmm. 97 to 100? Who can bring the heat all the time? Because we think swing and miss. We, th- we, we think, you know, high-velocity fastball. Yes. But really it comes down to changing speeds and locating. That's what Leo said when he was referencing Matthew Libertor. So the Cardinals here, and I don't, listen, I'm not in their meetings. I'm not behind closed doors. I'm not in the clubhouse, certainly. But what what I'm noticing is they're they're looking for a lot of guys with the higher average velo, the, the fastball to be between the 94 to 97. They want that. Yet I feel like some of the command has gone by the wayside. Like a lot of their their young pitchers are are spending a lot of pitches in an inning because they can't locate the strike zone on a consistent basis, and so there's walks that are involved. And that's one of the things that has been working against the Cardinals last year and this year is walking too many batters. If you're an organization. And the trend is fastball, fastball, high velo. How do you change the mindset? You know, for for me, it was, and I don't remember. I, I think it was with with uh, when I first came up with Oakland. They said, "How do you get deep into ball games as a starter?" You you know, you're going to have your strikeouts and walks, but if you can if you can have action in at a bat in five pitches or less, 
then you can get deep into a ball game. Because if you're keeping the ball down, you get a couple strikeouts here and there, you know, let your defense work. They're going to be on their toes. They're going to be uh, fully invested and in, in making plays behind you. And, you know, if you average five pitches or less or have some kind of action, uh, you know, and that's, that's, you know, that's just a rough estimate, a goal. You know, that's not always going to happen. Someone's going to come up there. and No, I mean, you have to set the bar somewhere. Yeah, someone's going to come out and foul 11 pitches off in a row. Um, but you can get, you can get really deep into a ball game that way. And, and, you know, it's, especially with, uh, you know, with, with, I guess, I don't know if there's fewer guys in the bullpen or there's more guys developing as starters and not developing early on as relievers. But if the starter can go six or seven innings out every time, you know, you're, you're going to really be helping your bullpen out, especially down the stretch when you, you know, when you're, we got to win those close games and you, you want your, your relievers to be fresh. So I, I think, I think there, you, you kind of think like good contact or not good contact from the pitcher's perspective. You want guys to, you know, get good contact first pitch strike, and then you can work ahead and, there's a lot of focus on statistics, and I, I don't know the one off the top of my head, but I know that if you get a head first pitch strike, you're 0-1 against the hitter. Their batting average drops a lot, and you get ahead 0-2. Well, now you can now yeah. you can you can use a pitch. Now to you can tinker. To, you can you can tinker. Yeah. But if you're behind 2-0, 2-1 to every hitter, you you can't tinker. You gotta you gotta get action, or you or or they're gonna lay off and take the walks. You know, major league hitters could hit anything. You know, anything you throw at them, they'll hit it. So you gotta you gotta be able to mess with them a little bit. You gotta mess timing, mess where they're looking. Not you know, and some of it, you know, the scouting has gotten so good. You know, hit, hitters can go and 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 see the last ten at bats exactly what you threw them or ten or more every at bat that mm-hmm. you, you've thrown them and uh and have a have a sixty percent chance that you know. Well, this is what he does, and when he falls behind, this is what he does. Well, if that major league hitter is looking two zero, and you know he's just trying to get back in it with a fastball away, they're they're going to tallywhack it. Yeah, they, they, they can jump they, it. Yeah, they don't they don't miss too often. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to to hear that, and a guy too. You talk about CC Sabathia, uh, you know, changing his game around and still being effective. Our guy Adam Wainwright, although he never had the hundred miles an hour in his back pocket, he still has had to change the way he thinks about pitching and the way he pitches and he's still pitching at the age of 40 plus years old here he's had a little bit of a tough go uh, this season in particular but he is i think he's almost a poster child for moving the ball around and getting weak contact from guys definitely because he's and then you know it was a number of years ago too he added that that cutter or slider or whatever it had and i think Maybe he did it after an injury or yeah, it was his, like 2017. I think he, he came so back and he came back and he and he had developed that that slider and it, it his velocity had already dropped a little bit by then. But what did he do? He went out and he learned how to throw another pitch to add another wrinkle to what he was doing. Now you you can't now it, you know I don't know if he thought something else wasn't going to be quite as effective with a couple of miles an hour off his his four seamer, but you know. Whatever he did, it it obviously worked and has added years onto his career. And some of that too is having a guy like him in the clubhouse and in the rotation. You see, you know, this is this is a, a Cy Young pitcher. 
he's going through a tough time and this is I know he's retiring at the end of the season but the young guys that are in there you're looking at a guy that has had a fantastic career and just been an absolute workhorse and he's going through some struggles and he's not pouting about it no he doesn't have his head down he's he's has a bad outing and he goes and works and then he goes out there and, and pitches and then he goes and works and you know that's some of that too is probably needed to see a, a veteran guy like him that's just and not going to put his head down he's just going to going to get back on on uh, into the grind it's leading by example yeah yeah it's huge He's Josh Altman. I'm Jamie Rivers. Andrew Marsh on the dials. The Air Comfort Service text line is 314-399-9646. We've got the Sports Six Pack coming up next. And if you have a particular question for Josh, put it in there. Sports Six Pack coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Mackie O'Brien's, your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over 42 years. Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Josh Outman joining us for the rest of the show, and Andrew Marsh on the dials. It's time for the Sports Six Pack. Question number one. All right, from the 314, did Josh grow up a Cardinals fan? Who was your favorite pitcher growing up, and who was your favorite team to play for? So I guess we get three questions on wow, you're one. You're getting triple banged all at one time there, oh, Josh. Yeah, it, we, I thought it was uh, six here. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I already forgot what was the first part of it. So did you grow up a Cardinals fan? Yes, sort well, of. You paused. What the hell's going on here? Well, see, I didn't watch TV a whole lot growing up, mm-hmm. so I didn't watch. I didn't watch baseball you know it was in the summer my dad sent my brother and i outside so we didn't trash the house (laughs) so (laughs) that's a good call uh so but yeah i mean as far as being from st louis and and liking baseball i i was a cardinals fan uh i'd be a bigger fan if they'd ever given me a chance to play in their organization but yeah (laughs) that's right yeah Yeah. i think still time yeah (laughs) um what was the second part? Yes. Give um, us the second and then the third part, Marsh. It's a so three-part question for our guy Who here. was your favorite pitcher growing up, and then which was your favorite team to play for? So favorite pitcher growing up, um, I don't know. I can't remember growing up like who my favorite pitcher would have been. Uh, as I got a little older, I loved Johan Santana. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's not that much older than me, so hopefully he's not listening. But I love watching Cliff <laughs> Lee. Um pitch and Chris Carpenter loved watching Chris Carpenter mm-hmm. I got to watch him pitch all the time when I had the Tommy John I was back home yeah. so I could watch the Cardinals games um, he was just just a bulldog I, I just, an animal. just absolutely loved watching him pitch um, and favorite team to play for I don't know that it, I mean as far as the coolest place I was at mm-hmm. it was in the Yankees clubhouse for sure in the pinstripes um, but I, I was lucky. I had a lot of good clubhouses. Um, Denver was probably the, the nicest city 
overall cleanest city. I didn't feel like there was a problem with my wife and kids walking around out there. Um, but Cleveland was great too, you know, and obviously I, I don't want to leave Oakland out of this cause I named every other place I was at, but <laughs> uh, Oakland wasn't the greatest situation for living, but it was, mm-hmm. it was a fun clubhouse cause we were a lot of rookies cutting our teeth at yeah. the same time. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask a question here too. Let's get, let's give a question. Number question two. number two. So you talked about being in Denver, and I know this only because you talked to us before you came on the air today. But when you played for the Rockies, you had a very special clubhouse attendant, didn't you? Oh yeah, okay. yeah. Can he's you tell a, us who that guy was? Very, very familiar with all the Cardinals fans here. Yeah. It was, it was uh, now he wasn't there when I was there. It was it was before that. He was already on to on to greater things. Okay. But, but John Moseliak used to work in the clubhouse in <laughs> yeah. Colorado. His pictures on the wall. Now was he wearing a bow tie so even to do that? No, I don't think so. I think he was. I was. He was in his in his uh, his clubhouse attire. That's awesome. So, now, what was the reasoning of that? Like, because you, you you're telling us something about you now they wanted the scouts to get, you know, down involved with the team and really like the everyday operations. So we have, you know, every team has their their video guys and they have advanced scouts and in and I don't know if all of them have them in the clubhouse, but that's the way the uh, the Rockies clubhouse was set up. Is you could go go in right into the video room and, and get with the scouts, get with the with the video guy. Uh, if you needed to see a, a, a hitter you'd faced or if a hitter came in and wanted to see an at-bat, uh, you could go right in there. So the scouts were in there, and then they had younger guys that were working working uh, in the clubhouse in, in different capacities that were also going through uh, scouting school so they could you know, become scouts and, and have a large, play a larger role. And then you know, once you're a scout, advanced scout, whatever, you can, then you can start moving your way up through – through organizations and I, I I don't know if Mo ever was a scout but he obviously moved his way through organizations yeah. <laughs> and, and and came out on top there we go our guy Mo question number three uh, from the 636 what do you remember most about Derek Jeter's final game at Yankee Stadium um, I was gone by then uh, I got designated for oh. assignment five days before Mm-hmm. Um, so then what's something maybe that you remember the I most from to, that I, whole experience? I got the pitch. Uh, I have an official scorecard from Derek Jeter Day. I got the pitch on oh, Derek Jeter awesome. Day. Um, and then, I, and then you know, everybody, it's a, uh, the expanded roster for uh, September, and Derek got everyone a watch. You know, and you what kind got, of watch I, was it? It was a Movado Derek Jeter. Oh, those edition. are good watches too. Oh, yeah, I so, thought I was going to hear like Timex. I was be like, yeah. Jeter, you cheap son of a. <laughs> yeah, yeah <you> got, <laughs> nothing against Timex, but yeah, just saying. So it was. Uh, I guess Movado made a, a yeah. limited edition Derek Jeter. That's a hell of a watch so too. He, he gave, and he gave everybody in the clubhouse one. It was that's awesome. It didn't matter if they were there for two days or what. He got everybody one. So I've got I've got some memorabilia from that. That's awesome, man. Cool story. Question number four. Uh, from the 661, Josh, if you were a young player graduating from high school who is facing the choice of draft or college, what route would you consider and why? Is the path different now from when you were making your way up? Love the insight. It's probably a little different. There are fewer minor league players. There's fewer minor league teams. Um, when I was drafted, there were 50 rounds. Uh, Oof, yeah. There was three levels three levels of a ball they had rookie ball three levels of a ball 
And, you know, I think it depends on the maturity level of the player. And I don't mean that as far as his physical capacity, a mental capacity, emotional capacity. Uh, there were there were a lot of guys I played with. Uh, there were high school drafts that were just immensely talented, but didn't have what it took mm-hmm. to be on their own for the first time. Um, but I, you know, from person to person, it changes because there are, obviously there are plenty of college guys that are extremely immature. I mean, I'm 38 years old. I'm still a big kid. So yeah, I'm 48. And, likewise, yeah. Jamie acts like he's younger than me. I try. <laughs> I do try. So I think. I think it depends on it depends on the player. And if you're a guy that's in high school that thinks you might get drafted and you're unsure about it, junior college is a great way to go cuz you're draft eligible for both years and it gives you the opportunity to mature as a as an individual and as a player at the college level. And there are some really really good junior college programs out there. Question number five. Uh, from the 618, Josh, did you ever get a chance to pitch at Bush Stadium? Yes, I did. Oh, cool. I got to pitch there in 2012. Um, I think, yeah, it was like July July of 2012. And then I pitched there in 2013 as well. When mm-hmm. I was with Colorado, I got to pitch here both years I was there. How are the nerves? Because, like, growing up, I'm from Ottawa, Canada, and when I remember going back my very first time, I was playing for the Blues and went back to play against the Ottawa Senators, but like I'd already played a number of games, obviously, but going back to your hometown, like I remember skating around in warm-up and seeing kids like that I was like in elementary school, and like neighbors that I had growing up, they're like waving at me through the glass, and it was nerve-wracking for me. How was that for you? It was the first time I came here at, uh, in 2012. It was as a starter, so that was a lot more nerve-wracking because I'm mm-hmm. out on the field, you know, 40 minutes before the game to go through all my warm-up process and everything. And I, you know, I had a, a, all obviously all kinds of family members here and all kinds of friends. And you know, I just you know, then you're the only one out there. Well, mm-hmm. catcher's out there, but I was uh, felt like you know everyone's watching what I'm doing now. <laughs> like, I'm gonna do. You. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna like trip while I'm running, <laughs> and everyone everyone's gonna post about it on Facebook, and I'm gonna feel like an idiot. Uh, but the second time, it wasn't nearly as bad. I was in the in the bullpen, and no one can see you down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't nearly as uh wasn't nearly as nerve wracking the second time through. But yeah, people came out of the woodwork. It was like, hey, it's me from, you know, high school or middle school. I don't think I knew you then. (laughs) You just smile and nod. Hey, Josh, that's my best friend. We're best friends in high school. Hey, can I get tickets to tomorrow night's No, I don't even remember your first name. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last one, Marshall. Question number six. All right, from the 217, who is the most famous person in your phone, sports related or not? Sports related or not? Sports related or not? Wow. Um, hmm. Well, I've got Tommy Lee in my phone. I think you know he's not sports related. I've got Kid Rock in my phone. Um, trying to think of John Cusack, hmm. Wayne Gretzky. I mean, he's sports related, but he's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, trying to think of who else I might have in here. I mean, Brett Hall, those guys, all the guys I played with. Hmm. I think that's probably the most famous people mm-hmm. I have in my phone. 
at least right now. I mean, you never know. Oh, John Ham, I got John Ham yeah, in there. I got yeah. the Hamburglar. Yeah, it's a, he's a St. Louis native. Yeah, he's he? a St. Yeah. Louis guy. I don't know. You got any famous people in your phone? Not outside of sports-related realm. I think I've got. I think I, I mentioned them earlier. CC Sabathia. All of the pictures were on yeah. a group text. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, I oh I think I got Stipe Miocic's phone number. He's a huge baseball fan. Yeah, the UFC fan. guy. Yeah, he's a huge baseball fan. He came to games in Cleveland and and brought us down to his gym for a tour and everything. That guy's a monster too, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's he's uh he's even bigger up close than he looks on TV. That's awesome. He's got a big fight coming up too against yeah. John Johnson. Yeah, that'll be interesting. All right, that's your sports six pack here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. We're gonna keep this thing rolling. We're gonna talk about Major League Baseball and are they ruining starting pitching. Leo Mazzoni said so, but we'll find out here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane here, 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, Josh Outman. He's going to be with us for the rest of the show. Uh, Blues, hockey right around the corner, and we've got ticket giveaways. Right now, the fast lane has your chance to win a pair of tickets to see your St. Louis Blues take on the Arizona Coyotes on October 19th at the Enterprise Center. Hockey season will be here before you know it. It is true. I can't wait. And 101 ESPN wants to celebrate with your chance to win free Tickets. Text in to 314-399-9646 to win a pair of tickets for the Blues versus Coyotes. Uh, Single game tickets are now available right now, and the season is stacked with great giveaway nights, including the Bennington Championship Parade, Bobblehead, and new and returning theme nights. Check out all the promotions and the schedule and secure your seats for the upcoming season at stlouisblues.com. All right, today's trivia question for the tickets is our guy Josh went to high school here in St. Louis. What high school did he go to? Texter number 101 with the right answer will win the Blues tickets. Don't give it away. We'll see if they were listening to the beginning. That's right. Okay, before we uh, left for the break, we talked about the starting pitching and whether or not Major League Baseball is ruining starting pitching. And here's what we'll do. To set up the segment properly here, because this is what kind of spurned the whole thing, was Leo Mazzoni, again, old school dude. I love Leo. But here's what Leo Mazzoni had to say on these very airwaves. Analytics and all the stuff that goes with it has set pitching back about 30, 40 years. And nobody knows how to handle pitching staffs anymore, including the Cardinals and including a whole lot of major league teams. When you're making 30 pitching changes a year and doing all that sort of thing, that's unheard of as far as I'm concerned. The starting rotation doesn't go deep enough into games. There's nothing wrong with a starting rotation taking care of your bullpen. What's baseball doing? They're going from the back end to the front, and they're ruining pitching in baseball. All right, so Leo passionate with his take there. And I, that to to preface this properly, I had asked a question. I'm like, Leo, you know, the trend of the starters, you know, the five and dive. If you can get a guy to five innings now, it feels like, like I I joke around on here, and I don't want to insult pitchers, but I joke around sometimes that five innings is a new complete game for some of these guys. And it's not the, it's not always the pitcher's fault. 
it's the team because there's a lot of pitchers that want to keep the ball in their hand. They want to keep going, but the manager comes out and like, now nah, you're at you're at your pitch count, or this is a third time through the lineup, or whatever it is that their their reasoning is. But then it's taxing the bullpen in a really big way. You know, for you, um, obviously when you came into the league and played was a different time than what it is now. But you know, what's your take on on what Leo's saying? Well, I think I I kind of played in what I would consider a, a transitional time in the sport. Uh, when I came in, it was a lot of old school mentality. Even in minor leagues, the pitching coaches, uh, the way they developed players was very old school. You 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 spent, uh, you know, you'd spend a year at a level, and then if you did well, then you'd go to the next level. There were they weren't trying to rush guys through. Um, and the starter's job was to get through seven innings. Uh, they they wanted to see you get in, in a minor league season. It, it's shorter. It's 20 games shorter. It's 142 games instead of 162. But they wanted to wanted to see you make all your starts. I think you get 26 starts in a full minor league season. And they wanted to see innings. They wanted to see that you could handle the major league workload. Um and then towards the towards the end of my career, I'd say right right in the middle of it, around 2013, there, we really started seeing more of a focus on analytics. Um, and my take on is it is num- numbers and are good. Analytics are are good if applied correctly. I think that it, there's a there's a number of things. There's probably a focus on injury reduction. Um, as part of not letting guys go in and go in as deep into the games as as they used to, um, there's you know the analytics like if we can match these guys up in this situation, this pitcher is going to have this and and I understand that, but sometimes I, I think it was always you want to stick with your horse. Um, and then the other thing is, and th- this might be might be a hot take, but these travel ball clubs. And these academies that start guys at eight U, playing a hundred games a season, and never teaching them how to play the sport, and only focusing on how far they can hit the ball or how hard they can throw the ball, it, it, without teaching how the sport is supposed to be played. Mm-hmm. And and there's a, I, I think that that started long enough ago that you have guys at the major league level now that came through those systems, and tremendous talent, tremendous ability, but they never really learned how the game is supposed to be played or the fundamentals of it. And I know there's probably a lot of young guys out there rolling their eyes right now. Um, you know, the old, old fart with the bald head. Doesn't the get know off anything. my lawn guy. Yeah, the get off my lawn guy. <laughs> but, you know, you watch, you watch young, some of the younger players and, and, not, and then they get rushed through the minor leagues and they come up and they're not fully developed. And then you say, oh, this guy's not ready. Well, he's not ready because of anything he did wrong. He's not ready because you didn't give him a chance to mature and be ready. Yeah. I mean, would you, there it's a, that's it, a huge jump from AAA to the major leagues. That's, you know, the game is, it, is turned up a whole nother gear. And, it, and if you're not ready for it, 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 will, it will let you know. As soon as you It'll take be that a field, sobering yeah. up for you in a hurry. Yeah, so I don't know if it's necessarily Major League Baseball that's ruining pitching, uh, um, and obviously 
Leo knows a lot more more than I do, uh, a lot more years in the game than I had. But I think there is a there's there's too much there's too much analytics and not enough playing and going with your instinct. Not enough, uh, and there's not as it. It seems almost there's there's more more influence from the general manager making lineups and saying who's going to pitch when than managers actually being on the field managing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that's some of the biggest complaints that a lot of Cardinals fans have here, and I don't know this to be true. Again, not even pretending I know, but the 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 thought is that you know the front office here, whether it's John Mosellock, Michael Gersh, or whomever that they have way too much input on the day-to-day lineups that are hitting the field and whether it's matchups from an offensive standpoint or matchups from a pitching standpoint that they need to let the manager, you know, who's in in the battle with these guys, who's in the clubhouse, in the dugout every day with these guys, need to let that guy have more of a say. Yeah. And and that and that's where the like having a good feel for the game comes in. You might have a, a number that tells you this is guy isn't a good matchup. But if he's out there going through a lineup like a buzzsaw and you get into a big situation, don't you want the guy out there that that, that got you to the dance? You know, it's not it's not um, it's not always black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, there there has to be a feel for the game. Sometimes you you have to go on instinct, and you know, it's it, it's almost uh, I guess sterilize the game. There's it, you know and. There's there's other things that are probably factors and that I don't know about, but I I don't I I think that the statistics have to be and the numbers and all the data have to be appropriately applied. And one of the biggest things I've seen is when you have young players that are being taught to emulate what a major league guy does, and and this is probably true in any sport. When mm-hmm. you take a, a a young player that is learning how to use their body in that sport and then you say emulate this guy well you don't know what that guy's doing and you don't know what yeah. kind of variations that guy bodies aren't at the same to, spots to, either to get there yeah you know you have to you, you can't you can't just say well my swing looks exactly like his why am i not hitting the way he is well because he's got 15 more years worth of pitches and experience and development you know you have to you have to you can't go from start to finish without having the middle of it. Yeah, I agree. So when it when it comes to the way pitching is being approached right now and you know the kids trying to throw harder, sooner, all that stuff, there's been a lot of stress put on the bullpen guys. And you know, how do you handle that as a bullpen guy? Cuz you've done both. You started mm-hmm. and you've come out of the bullpen. How much stress does that put on the rest on your bullpen overall when you got guys that are going four innings, four innings, four innings, and then you know they're going once every five days, and you're going two out of three nights all the time. Like, what does that do to you guys? It just it wears you down, especially if it's early in the season. I know we're kind of in the tail end of the season now. Yeah, but the Cardinals guys. bullpen got worked to hell at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and that that's one of those things is is. I think what like what Leo said was you take care of your relievers. Your starters take care of your relievers and then your relievers take care of your starters once they come in the game. And I know for uh, in my personal experience I've been on both ends of it when I was a starter and I was going through a rough patch and I wasn't getting through more than four or five innings and our bullpen was getting crushed and 
I felt like garbage, mm-hmm. you know. And and then on the other side of it, when we had uh, starters that were were struggling with some things, and then we were getting worked to death, it's like, you know, you you just have to you kind of have to just figure out how to how to get yourself recovered yeah. and go out there and do your job. But you know, I think you don't see you're not going to have any conversations about the best pitchers of all time that only threw 170 innings every major league season it's just you know that's not that's not how it, how i don't i don't think that that's how it, it's supposed to be drawn up He's Josh Outman, Jamie Rivers here, Andrew Marsh. We're going to continue with some baseball baseball talk next. John Mozeliak uh, on record saying that he's going to acquire at least three more guys for the rotation uh, as well as other pieces. Uh, should we be prepared for a dud in all these? Because not everyone is going to hit. Not everyone's going to be a home run with these guys. So is Cardinal Nation ready for a drop-off? And if so, what do the Cardinals do? We'll get into that next here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Last lane here on 101 ESPN, we're continue the baseball talk. Um, and before we went into the break, we talked about John Mosellock and the Cardinals identifying what they need for next baseball season. I think that the obvious is pitching. Um, they, they didn't acquire pitching this past offseason, not enough of it. And this offseason before that, they didn't do it either. They've just kind of relied upon fixing it from within for the most part and going to for lack of better words, no insult in, intended, but a bargain bin of starters. And rather than paying the 25 to 30 million, they'd rather pay the 8 to 11 to 12 million to kind of fix the problem. So this year, with the three starters that, that Mo's talking about acquiring, should we expect at least one dud? And when I say dud, I, all I mean is somebody that doesn't pitch to the level that you wanted. Yeah, I think like percentage wise. Yeah, I think you're gonna you're gonna find, I, you know, and I'd I'd have to look through, you know, to make an educated guess who they might target. Let's see who all is what starting pitchers are going to be free agents this year. Well, but, I want Shohei Otani here. I yeah, have a feeling that he won't be here though. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's going to go. But I, I can't remember. I think Max Scherzer might be a free agent. He's got, I think he has, a, he has one more year. I think it's a team option. But the big names out there right now, Aaron Nola uh, from the Phillies, Blake Snell. And then who's the other guy, Marshy? Urias? Yeah, from the Dodgers. From the Dodgers. And so those are kind of the big fish that, you know, everybody is linking to the Cardinals. My personal pick from that was Blake Snell. He's got he's got the velocity. He's got the stuff. Sometimes he doesn't know where his stuff is going, but neither do the hitters at that yeah. point. Yeah, so, and that can work to your advantage. Yeah, you keep a guy on his toes a little yeah. bit, you know. So those are the three guys as far as, you know, the top end of the rotation are concerned. Yeah, Urias is probably going to resign with the Dodgers. I don't, I don't see them letting him go. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, so that kind of – cuts you down the two and it's going to be you know those are and, and if those are the two big fish out there yeah. the cardinals aren't going to be alone on the bidding yeah they're going to have they're going to have to to pay for it but 
you know, it, if you need front end front end starters, you know, the going rate's the going rate. So if you if you want to go and get them, and it'd be nice. Like uh, Jose Quintana just pitched really well last night. If if he's a free agent at the end of the year, to to have a, a guy like him that that's an innings eater. I mean, you don't have to get all three front end, you know, or not front end, but three number ones. You need a guy like that who's going to go out there and give you good innings and good starts, and, and uh, just be ready to go. You can count on him every fifth day. So that's kind of been my feeling from the start is I've put this in my own version, in my own head, I've got three tiers of, of pitcher. And the first tier is your top end guys, your Nola, your Snell, your Urias. Oh, those guys are like tier one. Tier two would be, you know, uh, like a Jordan Montgomery, like those kinds of guys that are out there. I know we just had Monty, but that version of a pitcher is kind of like a, a two to four, that kind of a slot. Yeah. And then you get a four or five. So maybe a Jose Quintana is your tier three. So now you've got three guys that occupy three different spots in your rotation and you're not paying number one money to three guys. Yeah. You know, you're kind of dispersing the money around a little bit. Yeah. And if you can get some just, and maybe, maybe they don't get a, uh, uh, a front end starter off the free agent market, but maybe they get three solid veteran starters to to come in and fill in the gap, and then they have young pitchers that are still developing, at, you know, at the major league level, but they're still coming into their own. You know, it, it can do a lot for a young guy to have have that kind of anchor in the rotation with them. Uh, just to see every, every fifth day he goes out and takes the ball and he gets deep into the game and you know if you can go six innings every time out that that's a huge thing for a team and then you get three guys that do that well now it's like you know that's that's the that's the standard yeah so I think I, I don't disagree but I think what's happened here in Cardinal Nation Marsh you correct me if I'm wrong too mm-hmm. is like for so many years the Cardinals have kind of done that They've gone and acquired the guys to fill the holes. And they haven't gone and got the guy that's like, this guy for sure is getting the ball game one of the playoffs. It, they really, like Jack Flaherty was supposed to be that, and he was in 2019, there's no doubt about it. But with injuries and inconsistencies, it's it was harder to give him the ball. So much so that last year, to your point, Jose Quintana got the ball on the game one of the playoffs. That wasn't supposed to happen. So credit yeah. to Jose Quintana, but again, the flip side of that is you didn't have an ace. You didn't yeah. have a number one at the time. And I think that right now a lot of Cardinals fans are like, great, we can do two of the three pitchers can be the guys that fill the gaps, but we need to kill a house fly with a sledgehammer here at some point. Yeah, and I think that would do that would be a huge boost for the team in general just to, to know that you know we're coming into this season now with a tr- uh, a, a true uh, established ace at the front end of our rotation, and when we match up against you know when the aces match up, then we got a ball game on our hands. But you know I cynically, the, <laughs> I haven't seen the Cardinals do that. I know, but that's what, so I think that's what Cardinals fans want. They're like, you know what, Mo. I, I want you to do something you've never done before. Yeah, well, and especially they have such great, great fan support here. There's, you know, it's they're having a bad season. The stadium's still full. You know, it's you have you have such a huge following, a huge, huge fan base. It's whether they're good or bad is going to show up to the ball games. It's 
it's you know the team the team makes money you know and if someone says oh they're mid market they can't go big market it's a big market earning team um they're 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 making money to, oh, yeah. to go out and get that starting pitcher and you know they go out and get that that number one ace and he goes up and comes in and and wins 15 games it's going to be a huge draw and then there's playoff money involved oh yeah you know and then that's that, that, that gravy yeah that's, <laughs> uh, you know then they're getting the 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 tv money off the playoffs too yeah you know so they're they they you earn it back they earn it back you got to go out and, and spend money to make money as they say i think on the the flip side of that you, you look at some of the pitchers that are in that tier one and they have some some injury history here and there but you know every pitcher does but I wonder how much that will go into the Cardinals actually wanting to go get that top ace. You mentioned Jose Quintana, a guy that will just give you innings. Maybe they do just go out and get the inning eater type pitcher because if you look at this team, they could chalk it up as, well, you know, a lot of our guys were only going five and dive, and that taxed our bullpen. Our bullpen has blown a ton of games this year. That's why our team isn't as good as we think it can yeah. be, maybe they go that route and they just end up getting those in inning eater type do pitchers. Do you believe that? I believe that, that that they no. Do you is that what you believe was the problem this year? I mean, it's just one of many. There's a ton of different problems. But, but would I, you, Andrew Marsh, go acquire no. a top end rotation? Oh, guy? oh absolutely. I, I'm coming from the perspective yeah, of I what know. the Cardinals might might think. Oh, I and know might what you're do. telling me, and I don't like it at all. No, I, I know like you don't, it. and I, I guarantee a lot of people listening probably don't like that either. But there's 12 people that just threw up in their cars right now. You know what? I'll clean it out for them if, if it ends doesn't. up happening. But I, I could see that end up being what this team ultimately does. Unfortunately, I. I I don't want it to happen. I want them to to go out and get a, a frontline starter because yeah. that's what this team needs if they want to win a World Series. If they want to make the playoffs, yeah, which is you know I'd love this team to be in the playoffs again. Maybe they go the the opposite direction and they go just go get those those inning eaters. Yeah, I, and you hope that you you hope that you have a, a Jose Quintana type guy I'm tired that of pitches hoping, his way into yeah. October. I'd like to know personally, yeah. and I don't. You know, there's the other option is they don't have to get a free agent. They can put together some kind of if they can put mm-hmm. together a trade package. You know, I don't have any idea what they have in their minor league system, but they got, if, they got quite a few prospects. They've got some real good currency that they could throw out there. So you know, if I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen the Cardinals in like you know some teams will say we're in a rebuild phase, and I don't think because they've had guys that have had such longevity for their team, like namely Adam Wainwright, you. You don't. I don't think I've really seen them in a, you know, quote no, unquote rebuild phase. I don't think they've ever been. So, if they have, you know, if they have some prospects they can put together and maybe one established major league player to to get, uh, you know, a number one, number two guy from from a team is, you know, maybe you have to go and get a guy that only has a year left on his contract and hope he likes St. Louis as much as everyone else that plays here does and wants to stick around. Yeah, so either way, the way I look at it is that John Mozeliak and the front office and the ownership are going to have to get a little uncomfortable, whether it's the the paycheck of going out there and getting a free agent or whether it's the prospect or player currency. Uh, something is going to have to make them a little uncomfortable to go get what they truly need in the offseason. All right, we are at that point of the day that we're doing the uh, Beat the Streak coming up next and biggest question of the day next here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Baseballs. All of my successes depend on me. You ready to hit? The hits just keep on coming. And his first big league hit is a bullet up the middle. Fast lane here on 101 ESPN. You hear that sound? Do you know what time it is? It's time for Beat the Streak, and our guy John is still with us. John, how we doing, bud? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing pretty good. It's Friday, and it's 5.30. It's almost 6 o'clock. I'm actually doing fantastic based on those things. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we've got the Cardinals versus the Mets again tonight. Marshy, who's got honors here? Is it John? Yeah, John's still going. He's at 5 right now. I may have jinxed him when I got him on the phone. Not sure if he's uh, all too happy about that, but John will go first. And then Josh, who is pinch hitting for Anthony, will go second. Jamie, unfortunately, well, actually, I think you're going third, and then I'm going. I got fourth. a hit last you night. You did get baby. a hit. You did get a hit. Yeah. All right, John. What do you got for us tonight, buddy? Look, my guy's got a ton of offers lately, but he's gonna come back tonight. We're we're gonna play the Hindu card, and we're going with Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado. All right. So Johnny Boy's got Nolan Arenado. All right, Josh. You've seen the lineup. Who's your horse tonight? Uh, I think this is a Nolan off the board. I think the easy pick is going to be Goldschmidt. Yeah, Goldie's always a good Paul pick. Paul Goldschmidt, professional right. hitter. That's right. Josh and Anthony, Josh slash Anthony, have Paul Goldschmidt. Now it's my turn? Actually, I am up. Oh, why yeah, did you do Because that Nolan Arenado did not get a hit for you uh, on the 16th. No, he so. didn't. I am up right now. I think, man, I've been, I've been going against... The Cardinals, except for I did have Taylor Motter getting a base hit. I'm going to double down. Actually, no, I'm not. I wanted to take Luke and Baker to get a home run earlier today. I ended up taking Mason Wynn. Luke and Baker is my pick tonight. Oh, you got Rube Baker, huh? Okay. So Marshy's got Luke and Baker. Uh, I'm doubling down. I think Wilson Contreras, not only does he get the ding-dong Johnson, he's going to get... Obviously, if he gets a ding-dong Johnson, it's a hit. But either way, he's going to create some offense tonight. So I got Wilson Contreras. So to recap that, we got uh, Josh and John that are got – or no, John, sorry, has Nolan Arenado. Josh and Anthony have Paul Goldschmidt. Andrew Marsh has got Luke and Baker. And I have doubled down with Wilson Contreras. All right, John, good luck, my friend. Hopefully we're talking to you Monday. I hope so. And if Marsh did jinx me uh... – Love the show, and thanks for uh, making my rides to and from work not suck so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully he didn't jinx you, but we really appreciate that, man. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. You too, guys. Thanks. All right, that's our guy, John, who stays hot right now in the fast lane. Uh, Just a reminder, we've got Fade or Follow coming up next segment, so please text in to 314-399-9646. Text the word FADE. And Marshy will pick a contestant. We'll get you on here. We'll have a bet for you to fade or follow. All of that uh, compliments of FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. All right, Marshy, it's time for biggest question of the day. What do we got? It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. 
All right, gentlemen, Mason Wynn making his major league debut tonight. I think all Cardinal fans are hoping that he is the shortstop of the future. But today's biggest question of the day is, can Mason Wynn be the franchise shortstop the Cards have been searching for? Wow. Um, that's a lot of pressure on a kid who's never played a game yet. Yeah, it's a fir first game up. Yeah. Call him the franchise. Yeah, <laughs> Freddy franchise, yeah. first game up. Okay, so here's my take on it. Um, he certainly has all the tools to do that. He's got good speed. He's got great range in the field. He throws the ball over to first base at 100-plus miles an hour, so a little scary for the first baseman, I imagine. Yeah, I think uh, Goldschmidt will play with his catcher's mitt first. I, I, <laughs> I said that today. So Goldie, actually, we are laughing because Goldie's DHing tonight, oh, yeah, and he, Luke and Baker's at first. <laughs> so Marshy was like, that's probably why Goldie's not playing first base, because you know Mason Wynn. He's going to be all amped up. Yeah. That first ground ball that comes to him, it's going over at like 102. Yeah, that's going to be everything he's got. Not even <laughs> not even trying. It's just the, the, the nerves and the adrenaline is going to come through. But it could be a great situation. I mean, there's – it's not the you know they're not in the playoffs in the playoff hunt it's a great great opportunity for him to get reps and get get at bats and just get exposure without a whole lot of pressure on him you know there's not it's not going to be a make or break time he could you know he, if he get get to get his feet wet and then come back in out of spring training next year confident comfortable yeah and, and you know and play for a long time he's he's young so. yeah so here's what I think is, one, I agree with you 100%. It's, it's always easier for a young guy to come in when the, the pressure isn't quite as high for these guys. And Mason Wynn's a confident guy anyways. Like the way he plays the game at the AAA level and the way he carries himself and, you know, the, the fact that even, you know, two days ago, or was it yesterday? I'm not sure. One of these last couple of days, he was on our midday show with BK and Ferrario. And he, ba not basically, he said flat out, he goes, if I have the ball in my hand and I look over and the guy's not on first base, he's out. He's like, there's no way he's getting to first base. I've got him. And so a young guy like that, that's so confident. And then he yeah. comes up, and let me get your take on this. He comes up and they let him pick a number for one thing, which is rare. As you know, the rookies usually you get what you get and that's it. Yeah. This situation in particular... They played into the buzz, which is Mason Wynn, and he picked zero as his number. If you're a veteran player in that clubhouse, do you care? Does it bug you? Or are you just like, ah, you know what? The kid's got a little flair to him. I think it's great. I mean, the only way he could have done it better if he picked double zero. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know. There, If he wants to pick a number, pick a number. You know, what, what does it matter? As long as he doesn't try and get one of the vets <laughs> numbers yeah but i mean if get a get a choice and and that's what he wanted and that's what he wanted one of my one of my old teammates wears number zero adam adovino and i thought it was great when he switched to zero um let's see another two zeros in the league it, i think it's cool you don't have the same same guys wearing the same numbers all the time yeah and i think it's great too like the one complaint that some fans have had is that the cardinals don't have enough personality in their lineup. They don't have a guy with some flair to him. Look, you got Paul Goldschmidt, who is the big fundy. 
He's quiet, does his job, leads by example. He's a tremendous baseball player, one of the greatest hitters around. Nolan Arenado's Mr. Intensity, but not a lot of flair to him. His flair is actually how he plays, which is amazing third base. So I think that people look at Mason Wynn as not just a great baseball player, but he's going to be exciting to watch, too. I think just... I mean, it's some just the fact that it's something different. I mean, how often do you see a guy throw the ball across the diamond at 100 miles an hour if he's not standing on the on the mound? <laughs> yeah. You know, so to see that and the fact that he's going to play with confidence, he's he's he knows what he's capable of, and you know now he's got the opportunity to back it up. And you know, I I I have mixed feelings about the flare. I think sometimes it becomes a distraction. For the guy doing it it can and, be and for sure sometimes it becomes more of a ritualistic thing and it's you're more worried about what you're doing uh, as far as your your uh your flair and all that than, what if it's a player that the flair just comes naturally yeah like where it's well, not that, forced yeah that's he's just different. kind of that guy right yeah and I, I think and you see you see a lot of the guys like that around the league where they just got a lot of personality and when i was playing it was like uh um uh, adrian beltre yeah he never. He was just goofy. He goofed off. He loved the game. He played with. He had a lot of fun playing, and he was a tremendous player. Uh, you know, and if it's a situation like that, and you have fun playing the game, then have fun playing the game. It's. I think. I, I don't know, but at that point, I don't know if it's if it's so much flair. It's just just a an, an outward personality. It can know? become infectious too. Can yeah. It? Like yeah. If, especially if you have a group that's somewhat quiet. So like Lars Newtbar last year. He came out, you know, the pepper grinder and like lots of energy. Harrison Bader was a guy too that was here in the past. Yeah. And sometimes because your group overall isn't necessarily like an energetic, like flair type group, it kind of becomes infectious and it promotes a little more energy throughout the lineup when you have a guy who's genuinely like exciting to watch and loving the game of baseball. Yeah. And it, it, it injects a, an energy into the clubhouse and, you know, and, I remember, and who was it? Matt Carpenter that did the the salsa, and yeah. it was a thing in, in the in the playoffs, and it was a, a whole team thing. It's like, you know, it, it's it's fun to watch that kind of stuff because it's organic. It just something inside the joke or something That's the happened key right there. Yeah, organic, and, and it's just organic. And yeah, if, and if he, it, you know, you want to, you don't want to see a guy doing all kinds of crazy stuff just for the, stuff. just for the sake of it but and as yeah. players you know it too right like yeah. you, you remember guys like i remember guys we won't name them but you remember guys where it was just forced you're like bro yeah. come on yeah that's enough like dial it down a little yeah. bit here yeah and i mean if he if he's got the good youthful energy and he comes out and is relaxed and plays plays the way his his talent would dictate that he can play yeah. I think I think the the fans won't be disappointed with the energy. No, not at all. And by the way, Mason Wynn making his major league debut tonight. First pitch for the Cardinals, seven fifteen. Uh, Zach Thompson on the bump for the Cardinals and Joey Lucchese. I think is that his name, Johnny Lucchese. Uh, I think it's Joey Lucchese. He's a good guy from the Jersey Shore. <laughs> He's you got know? a guy. I He's got, got a, a guy. guy. I got a guy. Either way, you catch that uh, following the fast lane here tonight. Okay. We're coming down the home stretch here. Last segment coming up. We got our fade or follow, criticisms, compliments, and what you mixed. Mixed. What you missed. Try English. Here on the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
It's time for FanDuel Fade or Follow on the Fast Lane. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Everyone follow us. I'll fade, I'll fade. Money, 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 money. It's a fast lane here on 101 ESPN. It's time for Fade or Follow. We head out to our guy, Jeff. Jeff, how are we doing, buddy? Good, sir. How are you today? I'm good, man. I'm really good because it's almost quitting time, right? Like, come on. Let's get home and let's relax a little bit. It's Friday. Let's get out of here. Let's go, baby. All right, so FanDuel has to Fade or Follow. My guy, my guy Marshy, has a play here that I we've never done it before. So we're gonna. you are the guinea Ooh. pig. And what it is, is most team hits. So you pick the Cardinals or the Mets, and the Cardinals are at minus 105. The Mets are at plus 125. But here's the snag, Jeff. We're, we're taking the Cardinals. Yeah, we're taking the Cardinals, yes. But here's the snag, is if the teams tie, you lose two. Ooh. All right, so you got to pick. We're, we're taking the Cardinals to out-hit the Mets. Most team hits. You can follow us which means you're picking the Cardinals, or you can fade us, which means you're picking the Mets. Or the you know, I think, I think the excitement around Mason Wynn coming in today is going to get these Redbirds pumped. So I'm going to follow you guys. All right, our guy All Jeff right. is following us. All right, buddy. Well, hopefully the Cardinals out-hit the Mets, and we got you back here again next Friday, and you're 50 bucks richer. That would be great. All right, man. Well, look, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing along. Have a great weekend. Yes, you too, and congrats on the new job, Jamie. I'm excited to hear you every day. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that very much. Have a great time, bud. Alrighty, see you guys. All right, so Jeff goes with the Cardinals. He follows us down that path. Hopefully, the Cardinals don't let us down. No, I mean uh, we didn't. We didn't really hit last week. No, we didn't. Unfortunately, we'll blame no. Anthony for that one. Yeah, uh, was that the uh, Adam it was the Wainwright, Wainwright game? Yeah. Yep. So last week we had um, Adam Wainwright was. The over-under was four strikeouts. We were a little pumped up. We we were drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit, and we said, uh, we're taking the over. It didn't work out very good. No. Wayno didn't get out of the first inning. No, yeah, oh, yeah I, I saw saw some of the highlights of that. Uh, it was, yeah, he yeah. struggled, but. Tough go. He, he, did, he did a lot better this last time out. Hopefully, Wayno forgives us. Yeah. All right, Marshy, uh, criticisms, compliments. Yeah, just quick one right here from the 636. Great work this week, guys. We had a lot of moving parts this week. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a fast lane whack pack this week. We've had a lot of people in and out and all around, and guys like Josh coming in to help out. Really appreciate you coming in today and, and spending some time with us, man. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, it's been great. We had Kerry Davis earlier. Um, if you missed uh, anything that happened today, you can always go to the website or the app, download the podcast. That, of course, is brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto. And uh, today we talked to Kyle Hebert from St. Louis City SC for a little bit. We talked about his off time and what to expect you know, going down the stretch. Uh, we talked about Adam Wainwright. Can he build off of last night's uh, competitive start? Uh, and we, we had a little debate whether Brendan Donovan or Tommy Edmond, which one's more expendable. We talked quarterback... Um, 
players who can uh, take a step forward or take a step back this year. And, of course, we had Leo Mazzoni, his Sounders, coming in, and we broke down whether Major League Baseball is ruining starting pitching or not. Marsh, you got another one? Yeah, we have a, a few more. We All got right. one from the YouTube page from Stephanie, who said, That's my cousin. Hi, Josh. Oh. Uh, she's been drinking, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Is Stephanie your cousin or no? Yeah, that's my cousin. All right. but <laughs> that's awesome. The, the comment still stands. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Thanks for listening, Stephanie. Uh, we got one from the 636. Marshy just Donovan, who, uh, this guy who is um, our, our Beat the Street contestant, John. And Josh, if you don't understand that reference, it's from me earlier in the year jinxing Brendan Donovan yeah. on Beat the Streak, and he proceeded to, I think, have yeah, like, like a f- 10 games in a row yeah, without getting was, a hit or something. It was awful. It was like, what is happening here? So, oh, what did, what, so we don't fault. know what you did to our guy, John. What did you do to John when you were on the phone with him? So I called him and I said, hey, John, you're at five right now. Uh-huh. You're three away from tying the listener record of eight oh, and he go wow. and he was like thank you for jinxing me yeah. that's like saying it's hey like, man you're one inning away from the no hitter yeah you got a perfect yeah. hit you know you got a perfect game going right now <sighs> so it was good talking with john we'll see him uh well probably not next monday because yeah, i jinxed probably him. not yeah. no nope. so, thanks a lot andrew and what are you gonna do uh we got one from the 636 josh is awesome yeah, thanks. There you go. I, I got one fan out there. Did you text that in? Yeah, that's mine. That's my number. <laughs> we got to cross-reference yeah. this number. Uh, one from 636. Love the show this week. Have a great weekend and catch you Monday. Yeah, it's been a great week, man. Uh, started off with the regular fast lane, and we just had a lot of moving parts. We had a lot of people coming on. It's always fun. I always like that. It, it feels like the shows go by even quicker is when you got a lot of action, a lot of moving parts. So it's been a good week. Uh, last one here from the 501. Marsh, I was listening to the podcast brought to me by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And I heard you say you wanted to visit Europe. Do it. It's a great place. Lots of beer. I'm here until October. If you want some help, hit me up, Adam. Have you guys been to Europe at all? I know we were talking about that yesterday. Well, I've well I know you played there. but <laughs> I like, thought this was you a trick question. Yeah. Vacation there. I've never vacationed in Europe. Well, I should take that back because... With the leagues over in Europe, they have what they call the national team breaks. So kind of like soccer and some of the things like that to where within the season, they'll have a week to 10 days where the national team gets together. Everybody else kind of goes on vacation. Well, when I was playing in Croatia, we took a drive up to Italy. And so we went to Venice, which was really cool. I obviously had never been to Venice before and got to be, you know, the gondola rides and all that stuff. Europe is awesome. I love being in Switzerland. I love all those little countries. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I don't know if you've ever been. I've never, no, I've never had a chance to go over to Europe. It's so fun, man. I, I hopefully someday we're we're gonna. Wife and I were gonna go years ago, uh, and then ended up she was pregnant with our first our first daughter, our oldest daughter, and we had to cancel that trip because we're like i don't know if you want to be traveling around europe while you're while you're pregnant yeah that's a tough call right there it's a tough call well europe is beautiful i loved it i would highly recommend the switzerland italy all those little Ooh. countries germany all that france well that's scandinavia oh, which okay. you know it's still you're know. it's you know it's over there but uh, for me it was the when i was in switzerland you had france germany italy all those places a lot of fun 
So, anyways, it's been a real interesting week here in the fast lane. It's been a lot of fun. You got your Cardinals that are playing your Mets here. Uh, first pitch again at 7.15 tonight. Uh, hope everybody has a great weekend. Josh, thank you so much for joining us again today. Yeah, thanks again. It was a great time. All right, good. Look, look forward to having you back again. For everybody out there listening, have a good, safe weekend. See ya! You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.